how should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Thank you so much for joining me today. Right out of the gate, I'd like to give you guys a little insight into my personal life and let you see something that many of you be interested in seeing. I'd like to introduce Sierra to the show, which is Aries spelled backwards, which those of you that don't know was my wonderful dog's uh, name. And so this is the new addition to the show, just for you all to see. So before we get into it, I'd like you all to meet Sierra. So let her let her go about her day, <laughs> and, and we can get started. So thank you for joining me today. Some very, very important information to get to that I think, as always, this every story we seem to cover just continues to seem to develop one after another, one more bombshell, one more peer-reviewed study that continues to get ignored. Oh, and by the way, the the... Audio might be a little low at the moment. There's something I was going to deal with after the fact. I can't figure out what it is, so I'm going to try to keep that close while I'm live. Just a heads up for those that might be thinking that right out of the gate. But today, we are going to get into some really important information, but a bunch of it, actually. So it might be a little longer. Try to make it about two hours if I can. But today, we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff. Maxwell, right out of the gate. So just a couple quick points on that that I want people to see some comparative points that I think are really, really alarming. But of course, we're also going to talk about Roe versus Wade and some developments there because it's increasingly interesting to see how this has been developing. Uh, today, we're as well going to get into the FDA's future framework. As you might have heard, we've been talking about that. It's happening. They just had, they had their vote. Now, there's still stink things that could change, the other votes and agreements that must be made, but they have officially voted to go forward with the future framework bivalent COVID-19 injections without the safety testing, which is exactly what we were worried about. And there's some alarming stuff to talk about in that topic. We also have an interesting discussion we're going to have around blood clots and another effort, it seems, to kick this off on something other than what is the obvious correlation, in my opinion, but no research being done on that side, but lots of research to find out if blood clots associate with anything under the sun, including climate change. Now we're also going to talk about some updates on COVID-19 mandates, which I think are really interesting, specifically from Scotland, that are essentially doing what, again, conspiracy theory becoming conspiracy reality, making COVID powers permanent. Now, some of them. Not all of them, but it's pretty alarming to see that that's even happening in the smallest degree. And digital passports, digital IDs, all continuing. And we're going to finish off with some uh, Ukraine discussion. Now, we, I rushed through the last part I was doing on Ukraine, and obviously that story has blown up into a lot bigger conversation in regard to the, the mall that they say was just hit. So we're going to finish that today and discuss how obviously that was pretty much what we expected, not because that was the assumption, but because of the evidence that backs it up, which is important to always think about. Now, to start off, I would like to make a couple points about censorship that I think are very important. So first of all, let's bring over, let's see here. That's weird. Still, still working out the kinks here with OBS, it feels like. Sometimes things just don't work exactly the way that I want them to, it seems. But 
and we're here, and we're good. So here is the first part I want to make about some censorship comments that are really, really interesting. This leads us into some more important, I would argue, censorship, but this is really alarming because it's one more reason, one more way that we're being suppressed, and everybody, not just T-Lab, but everybody out there who's being suppressed unjustly, or suppressed at all for that matter, I'm getting these Twitter notifications, Simon says, now rather than... Uh, no, now rather than content. Now, what it reads is, and this is he's referring to the tweet that I put out here. I'll read that next. Age restricted adult content. This content might not be appropriate for everyone. To view the media, you'll need to add your birth date to your profile, which is interesting. So, if that's required for things, wouldn't it argue that that would be something you would have to do to join Twitter? But regardless of that, you shouldn't have to tell your personal information, your your birth date. But let's just say you don't have it on there. This is one more way to then. Put, isolate those people from content they might want to watch if they then arbitrarily put an age restriction on content like ours. Now, let's look at what they're age restricting. What does it say? Let's see. Okay, Eva Bartlett saying, while waiting for a flat tire to be changed, just entering Mariupol, public transportation is working. Wow, that's pretty contentious, isn't it? That's all it is. No, no audio other than the background noise. A couple of buses pull up, and they pull away. That is some intense stuff. I know. They had to make sure you were old enough to see that. Now it says, always telling, always telling how life returns, I wrote, after the puppet forces of the West are removed, just like in Syria. Of course, the corporate media will never admit this. Now, of course, that's what they're talking about. And then the, the video that Eva Bartlett is showing. But how is that age restricted? Of course, they don't want people to see that because this is information that they don't want you to hear about, that life always returns back to normal, like in Syria when the bad guys seem to take over. Interesting, isn't it? Very, very age-restricted, though. Make sure you're 18 or older to see this very innocuous information. Now, Chester, uh, Walter Chestnut, excuse me, his account has been suspended. Now, you know this account because we've referenced it a few times. Thank you, Toady, for pointing this out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen it, and that's what they bank on. His account was uh, whatever, uh, Parsifaller, probably someone else like myself who's been censored and come back on Twitter. That's why mine's Doodlebug. When It's just an, another pirate account. Thank you, Emily. You're outstanding. Account suspended. And here is one of the things we covered recently, just to give you an insight into what great work he was doing. COVID-19, an immune-mediated disease of progressive systemic fibrosis induced by the spike protein and its immune complexes. Read it for yourself, guys. This is sound work with, so, with backed source material. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff they're censoring, which is very, very obvious, is it not? Now, moving past censorship, I wanted to make a quick opening point about Maxwell. You probably have seen Gisley Maxwell or Ghislaine, whatever you're supposed to say it. Frankly, they don't care about saying her name properly. Sentenced to 20 years in prison for conspiring with Jeffrey Epstein to sexually abuse minors. Exactly. Right, so this is what we were just saying the other day, and that's a very kind ruling, in my opinion, for all of the abuse, molestation, rape, trafficking that she was involved in that you can prove based on the documentation. But regardless of the, the, the ruling... The point is you had the articles that we're just discussing, we just talked about in the last show, I guess even seemingly upset about the fact that because she was put on suicide watch when she wasn't suicidal, whatever that was supposed to do, maybe just as a distraction point to get everyone to jump on it and say she's going to be killed, ultimately said, oh, she doesn't have her normal toothpaste and she can't go back, she can't read her documentation for trial. Everyone was upset about that. What about Julian Assange, right? Nobody cares about the guy who didn't rape children, who's clearly in prison right now, Without even being sentenced yet, or tr even, he's, they haven't even gone through this yet. They're still talking about extradition so the U.S. can charge him with crimes and take it through court. We're ultimately talking about a person who showed you the reality of what they admit was the truth, and they've attacked everybody that showed you that. That the U.S. government committed war crimes. 
and plenty of other things. But he is still, still being tortured, according to Nils Melsner, the UN, ex-UN tor- rapporteur for torture. Point is, she just got 20 years. That first point was in regard to the, the quibbling about things she wasn't allowed to have while he's still in that situation. But she got 20 years, which is good, but I, it should be a lot more than that. But it gets ridiculous when you find out where she's supposed to be going. Maxwell in, in, enticed and groomed minor girls to be abused in multiple ways. Very, this is a very soft pedal on this. There's a lot more, lot worse information that you can prove. Maxwell also normalized and facilitated sexual abuse for a victim by discussing sexual topics, undressing in front of the victim, being present when the victim was undressed, and encouraging the victim to massage Epstein. In addition to the prison sentence, Maxwell, understand this is posted on the government's website, justice.gov, and it says, Maxwell, 60, was sentenced to five years in supervised release and ordered to pay uh, in, it says in addition to the prison sentence, first of all, so this is after that happens, another five years of supervised release in order to pay, apparently, what would that be, $75,000 to the common the wrong place? Or no, it's actually $750,000. I just love to make fun of people like the government and they can't even get their... I shouldn't do that. People make typos, but it's fun to give them a hard time. Mr. Williams praised the outstanding work of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Oh, you mean the group that didn't do anything and actually was involved with covering up up until people in the independent media forced the world to acknowledge what's happening here? Great job, FBI. You're always hiding the truth. You're doing a killer job for the government. But this is interesting. This is something that plenty of people have shared with me. Maxwell's lawyer, Bobby Sternheim, the be- at the bequest in the uh, in the will, she will receive nothing. This isn't the point. Judge Nathan, uh, there are additional assets. The sentence was stated as imposed. Designation, here's the point. We request the BOP facility in Danbury, Connecticut, and the FIT program. So according to plenty of people, Angela being one of them who sent this to me, and you can look into this information for yourself, here's the post. This is, for one, the same location as the Bronfmans, or at least one of them, you know, from Nexium. Weird that that's happening. But then on top of that, that this is essentially a white-collar prison. Right? This is not a big, this is a place that you send people that are, you know, financial criminals and so on. Not that it's the case that that's not what happens, but this is a watered-down kind of thing that's not the same as a real prison where a rapist tra- human trafficker should probably go. But we'll see what ultimately happens. There's more information you can read in there. But I just wanted to throw that one point in there as well as to add, well, first of all, as High Impact Flicks puts it, this is an important point that we brought up earlier. Imagine going to jail for grooming hundreds of underage sex slaves and, you know, raping and torturing and sex trafficking and delivering them to an intensive client base, extensive, excuse me, for over a decade. And nobody in corporate media talks about, cares about who the clients might have been and acts like they didn't exist. As well as in the court, you understand, where was the process in the in the court? Where, where were the people that she supposedly worked with to commit these crimes? How, do you, how are you accused of sex trafficking if there weren't clients involved? You can't prove that she trafficked if you can't prove a client. Therefore, they're hiding the clients. Where is this information? Now, regardless, think about how ridiculous that is when the corporate media doesn't even point that out. Maybe they're back there when they're not showing it. That's where the media is supposed to be like, that's go. They're not media, guys. These are propaganda stenographers pumping out what they're told to say. That's crazy. This is, this is a cover-up, ultimately, whether or not these people are going to jail, if that's even what's happening. Hashtag Epstein didn't kill himself kind of thing, right? We, there's a lot going on around the story that is ridiculous. But the worst part of this, guys, she got 20 years in prison. R. Kelly just got 30 years. Think about that. Now, I'm not trying to diminish either, really. I mean, if, if you, I mean the whole story of R. Kelly is strange in and of itself, but l- scheme to lure children into sex. Now, as I understand it, they're mostly talking about... It doesn't even matter. Look, the point is both of these people should be in prison. But 
30 years compared to 20? When you know somebody who is prolifically working, not just to do things for themselves, but to facilitate sex trafficking for children, for high-level people, and you get less time than a person who did it for himself with children? I mean, both of them obviously are disgusting and horrific, but think about the contrast there. So if you're close to the government, you get a soft-pedaled prison for less time. If that's even how that ends up, if that's even what's going to happen, the bottom line is that's not accurate, or that's not it doesn't make sense, does it? You're seeing peaks through the, the curtain, ultimately, in my opinion. Now, to jump over onto the Roe versus Wade conversation to bring this into the show, I want to make some updates on this because last time we set off, we, it was still being decided where these states were going to be in regard to whether it's illegal or you know however it's going to go forward. Now, just to reiterate my main point for me, it's that I made very clear that I have my personal opinions about this, just from, a, from an individual but my logic and being consistent with that logic is very clearly that it's your choice. That, that's for anything that has to do with your bodily autonomy. Vaccinations, mandates, abortion. It's your choice for your body. And some, the problem is that people who want to understand my opinion, which would be that I, if it's put to me in my life, I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not something I think is right, regardless of what stage it's at. That's just my personal opinion. Now, I can explain why, whether religion or whatever else, but ultimately it doesn't matter because it's my opinion for my body, my family, my wife, whatever. Not that I have a wife, just using the analogy. The point is that that has to be logical and consistent for people, and they just don't like that they're, well, like, it would become an attack to, well, well, if you think it's wrong, how can you allow the people to do it? Because it's not my choice to allow anybody to do anything. It's not your choice either. You've been charged up by politicians to act like you're some kind of savior for these unborn children. Now, there's something to be said about how that's something you can try to fight for. But forcing other people to do what you think is right is never the answer because that's abused by powerful people. And the next thing you know, it's going to be something you don't want to be doing, and now you're forced to do it. Now, the argument to make is around the Second Amendment here, as always. And I'm going to make these points in a minute. It's such an obvious comparison to these people on the other side of it who are fighting aggressively to remove guns— are people that believe they're doing so because they think they're saving lives, which is misguided at the very least, and also nefarious when you understand there's more uh, reasons behind that that aren't what they're being stated for people in power, is what I'm speaking of. But the idea is ultimately, let's just take the person who believes they're doing the right thing, who doesn't understand that it's not a gun that kills people, but bad people who kill people, and that passing laws for criminals means nothing. Now, the bottom line, though, is that they may think they're doing the right thing. Now, you can push that in in the same way in reverse. Just because a grouping of people who are, are, are framing this as the right choice and the other guys as the negative, bad, immoral choice from a presidential, you know, cat uh, from, from Biden's administration's level doesn't make that the right thing. Regardless of what I may think, it comes down to choice. Now, that's where we get into the idea of the states. Now, the point here is to be co consistent. My argument has always been that the states, in regard to constitutional rights, of which abortion is not one, that's just a simple fact. It's not a constitutional right. Simple as that. You could argue that it should be. Get out there and vote, right? Vote harder, guys. Or you could argue that, and, and by the way, well, it's, I don't want to get in that quagmire, but the, the point being that right now it's not. So these states are now, the, the, the point being that the, the, the states' rights argument, almost lost my thread there, the states' rights argument means that these states should be the ones making, you know, passing laws, upholding those laws, and upholding the Constitution. As Murbury versus Madison, Supreme Court ruling, early 1900s, I believe, or maybe late 1800s ruled, anything repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. So this is simple. 
Okay, the it, the the ruling on these things are simply handing down the the the. the decision to the states, which is where it always should have been. The fact that federal government's ruling on anything like this is not how it's supposed to go. And by the way, it wasn't even a law. It was simply a precedent that was basically forced across the the board to be the status quo. The bottom line is now it's been handed down to the states. Now the states are making all these rulings or, you know, laws and passing bills. And the point is, if those things are saying you can't do this, I disagree with that. You see, there's a, there is a lot, there is consistency there because the point is simply that it should be your choice. But regardless of what the topic is, it could be abortion, it could be anything else, the point is it should be the states that are either upholding the Constitution or passing laws. The federal government ruling on these things and making states do it is just not the way this is supposed to go, constitutional-wise. But my opinion will always be that if these states start making rulings that allow you as an individual to not make that choice for yourself, then there's a problem there. And that's something that they need to hash out in these states specifically. And that, and again, when it comes to Constitution, that's just simply it's not, that's not something that applies to the Constitution. So now you have states that are passing these sweeping bills and, and laws to say that these things are illegal. Now, again, I disagree with that. It should be your choice. But the problem is that they're passing this argument that these are illegal, or from, from the Democrat side of this, that these are illegal in these states in general, but that's not even the case. So there's a lot of misinformation flying around. So I want to clarify my statement from before that I didn't think any places had done this yet. When I said that, I think only one had technically done it, and now this is all fleshed out over the last couple of days. But it says, the same day the Supreme Court struck down the constitutional right to abortion, that's not even true, you, this is the kind of frustrating reality. This is coming from Huffington Post. Surprise, surprise. I mean... It's fr- I know that they want that to be the case, and I know that they believe that's the case. It's just a simple fact, though. This is what's so inherently frustrating about where we are today. It's, it takes 10 seconds to prove that there's no such constitutional right to abortion. You can argue that, they, that the Fourth Amendment and liberty and the way that they kind of bend that to include that, you could argue that may make sense, but that needs to be hashed out, doesn't it, in a court of law. The point is that's not the truth. It's not written down. It's not there. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that I don't think it should be your right. The people just can't get on board with that obvious consistency. The problem is that people want you to take a stance here and say, nope, all or nothing, left or right. You see, most of logic and nuance and the reality in the world exists between those two things. It says anti-choice states started enacting trigger laws. See, it's not about anti-choice, and that's also the ridiculous thing about this. It's about places that have, you know, let's just take one of these states, Texas, for example, that believes... One, that the people of Texas want this. That's the statement anyway, whether the governments even care. And two, that they believe that that's the wrong thing to do. Again, morals, religion, guiding these people, which is the last two things that should be involved in regard to legal choices. Now, moral, yes, like you could argue that doesn't include it. But the point is, is law is pretty simple. And to argue that the, the, the... I just realized I, I just realized I forgot something. Anyway, I don't want to get off track. I feel like I'm missing a point. There's a whole other article I was going to bring up. In any case, anti-choice states started enacting trigger laws and other pre-Roe versus Wade bans. Now, these things have been existing before this ever happened. And a lot of them argue that it's always been unconstitutional. And you know what? It has been. That they should have been the ones making these rulings. And then the states' individuals should be able to continue to discuss that and vote and, and enact with their government. The point, ultimately, is that it should come down to their choice and the people of the state. And if you believe as the state that they're not representing your views, then that's supposed to be something you can take care of. You know my opinion on the way the political process works. I think it's all a big facade, a joke. But these are simply the arguments that are always spun out about this. And it's weird that the people that have always said that are now the ones that are ignoring it. And simply arguing because we don't agree with it, we're going to be upset. 
Now, again, I'll come back to the Second Amendment argument or even one that I'll make in a second, maybe right now. In fact, that the Republicans, let's just say they had stood up and protested aggressively when this was first passed. Right. Roe versus Wade, the very first precedent that was set in, in, in Roe versus Wade. And let's say that all Republicans have stood up and protested because they didn't agree with it. Now, explain for me how that is any different than what's happening right now. It's not is the point. They would believe they were right because they think this is wrong and they're going to stand up and they're going to protest because this is a travesty of justice. How dare we kill human beings? It's the same argument. If we can't see as grownups that you have one political side waving their opinion around as the moral thing and the other side doing the same, then we are just playing team sports. Now, I'm not saying these things don't matter. Obviously, Second Amendment is incredibly important. Obviously, life matters, but it's how they're being abused. Missouri and Texas were the first two states to swiftly ban abortion in the wake of the ruling. Now, that's not true. Now, I'm going to get into this. I'll show you the other articles. Now, they did, they did pass laws, and, and some of the most extreme ones simply have an allowance for this for when, if a woman is in, her life is in danger. And so the abortion must be done so they save their life. Now, I'm not trying to quibble. Understand, again, it should be the woman's choice. Regardless, the state shouldn't be able to do this. But the argument is simply that you can't say it's a ban, can you? So now we have two lies already in two paragraphs. Constitutional right, which it's not, and that they banned it in wake of this, period. They don't say comma, but with this exception. They don't do that. The Texas pre-Roe ban was blocked a few days after the Supreme Court decision, allowing abortion to up up to around six weeks uh, to the six-week point to resume until a hearing on the 12th. Now, that's what a lot of them have done, simply saying, well, after six weeks, it's just too long. You can't do it after that. Now, that is a very big difference, isn't it? People are acting like that's a travesty of justice. And you go, okay, wait a minute. Shouldn't you be able to even... So these, these are people that are allowing abortion, but just not after six weeks. And they're just going, they banned abortion. And a lot of sites are arguing that, like they took my right away. I mean, you could argue that that's not... You, you disagree with the timing, but for crying out loud... It's, uh, it's everything except the time after six weeks. I mean, it just drives me crazy how this is being framed. This is being used politically. Trigger bans in Louisiana, South Dakota, Kentucky immediately went into effect after the ruling came down, although Louisiana's trigger ban was later blocked and abortion care resumed until June 8th when the hearing is set. So you see there's a lot of stuff happening. I, I'm okay with the process, guys. If these people are outside of doing something that's not in line with the process, you know, like the kind of thing we keep seeing where they're saying, we don't agree, it's, you know, illegitimate, illegitimate, we're going to stand in their way and we're going to stop them. It's kind of it's like, that's, it's a legal process. You can't call it illegitimate because you don't agree with it. That's pretty childish. But the fact that they're going back and forth makes sense, right? That's how this is supposed to, so if they effectively overturn it, another thing happens and then the Republicans are going to stand up and say, oh, they stole it. It's a travesty of justice. And the same thing will start over in reverse. The point is that these are just politicians abusing you. This is the way it's supposed to go. After certain state officials certified that Roe versus Wade had been overturned, trigger or pre-Roe bans in Arkansas, Alabama, Utah, and Oklahoma went into effect. The latter, despite Oklahoma already having a full abortion ban in place that deputized private citizens to enforce it. That's crazy to me. On Monday, a Utah state court granted Planned Parenthood's request for a temporary restraining order blocking the state's ban, allowing services to resume in Utah effective immediately for the time being. All the recent bans have no exceptions for rape or incest, and here's the crazy part. After all these paragraphs, only an exception if the life of the mother is at risk. So how can you actually spend five paragraphs saying ban, ban, no exception, and then literally say, but it's an exception? I mean, that's just bla- That's just either terrible writing, you're contradicting yourself, or you're meant to get people to think ban complete because you know they're not going to read down in the article. Title skimmers. 
although no pro-choice experts point out that the although pro-choice experts point out that the language around these types of exceptions is vague, which is usually how it goes, because the people who wrote these things kind of don't want people to do that. Sort of how they go, yeah, take a mandate or, you know, take an injection. If you get entire, your, you know, if your legs fall off, you can go through this process. Guess what? That process is designed to make you fail. Like Matt DeGarry being told she has a stomachache. That's how that works, because they don't want to pay people out, so they do that. They all know that. They just pretend it's weird when it happens on the other side. Such states as West Virginia have not yet fully outlawed abortion. But they do have abortion bans on the books that predated the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, which is interesting, isn't it? Now, this is going to irritate people again, because I've, even though I've stated my opinion, and it should be the woman's choice, regardless of what state you're in, to be able to do, you know, take action in her own body. The interesting part about this is, so 1973, West Virginia passes a law as a state in regard to abortion, predating the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision. So that sets a precedent in regard to what they say in the Supreme Court. But how in the world is that supposed to overrule the state's law? Because ultimately what happened again is they used the precedent to sort of state the status quo from a federal standpoint. Now, that's that just seems interesting. That That's the continuation. And this is arguably, I can't speak to their personal intent, intent why people in the Supreme Court want to make these rulings, because constitutionally, this doesn't make sense. It's 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 it's, it's centralizing power in the federal government, the opposite of what this entire country was founded on. So the fact that it kicks down to the states, it almost you shouldn't be blaming the Supreme Court. You should be blaming the governors that are making these decisions if it's not what their states want, because that's the th- other part of this. How Do these states want these rulings? I'm sure some of them don't, but it's like any other part in the state. You have a state that doesn't want people to have guns. Well, first of all, it's not their choice. It's an it's a enshrined, inalienable right, God-given, God regardless of whether the Constitution was written. But the point is that that's, it's a state thing. It's just so frustrating to see how they keep acting like people in Texas are upset. Are they? How about we ask people in Texas? How about we ask people in these states to find out whether the majority wants this? Because then shouldn't that matter? Isn't that the democracy concept? I'm not saying I agree with all these things. I'm just throwing their narratives back in their face. It's unclear how or when some of these pre-Roe bans will be implemented, forcing many clinics to stop services altogether to avoid risking the prosecution of the clinic staff or their patients. Now, it is a little abrupt, I would argue, that the way that this just happens all of a sudden. I mean, there should be a little bit more of a process, a transition. It just shows you how much is involved in this that has nothing to do with safety, with what's considered to be legal and constitutional rights. This is just about a political stance. Like any of these wedge issues are, they're being used. Other states like Virginia, Montana, Tennessee are not far behind, they say. Many lawmakers are calling to swiftly enact abortion restrictions. Ohio, as well as Tennessee, implemented six-week abortion restrictions after the Supreme Court decision freed up bans that had been blocked by lower courts. Now, here's again, the argument is these people seem, arguably, that it's not about stopping it entirely. It's they just have a, they have a strong stance on when, when that is, is a, considered a child that's alive and when it's not. Which is pretty damn subjective, if you ask me. And I have my, I could stick my opinion in there, but why does it matter? It's completely my opinion. When it's a heartbeat, when it's, when it's born, when it's a cell. I mean, there's so many different stances to take in that. So the idea, shocking, it should be the woman's choice. I know, it's crazy, right? But see, that's not, that's not saying that that should be forced on everybody everywhere. It should be left to the states. Now, going forward, I actually want to grab something really quickly. Oh, I forgot. See, I keep doing that. I keep forgetting that it pops up like that. For those uh, in the podcast, I, I open the window screen that shows the the window basically stops working properly. But I wanted to grab the chat on the side. I forgot to do that. You'll hear my voice doubled up here in a second. That should be forced on everybody. There it is. I just want to grab the chat here just in case 
there's some different thing. There's some stuff going on with the OBS tri- uh, crossover. Oh, that's what I have to do. That's right. Where I've told people this last time I talked about this, but there's some differences where I have to make sure things are going properly. I want to make sure the sound in the chat. Why don't you, since we're pausing for a second, give me a shout out to let me know if the chat, the sound and everything's working properly. It's always important. So OBS does seem to, the reason I'm doing this since I'm bringing this up for a second is because there's been some different weird things happening with StreamYard and I'm just not sure where this stuff is coming from. So I'm trying to kind of flesh out some of these problems. There we go. So let me know in the chat, guys. I'm paying attention to the chat now. Let me know if there's any issues. Let's get back to everything else. Okay. So going to the next article, someone's saying low volume. Yeah, I, I hear you guys. I'm trying to do my best. I'll keep it close to my mouth. Just turn it up if you got to. This is this is what it's going to be today. I'll have to fix this. I think it might be OBS as well. So tracking where abortion laws stand in every state. Again, this is really interesting to me. Guardian, shocking, I know. Guardian, misleading people. Is you look down here and they simply say, these places say banned. Right? I, it, that's not true. We just looked at this stuff. A judge dissolved the injunctions. Banned. Well, okay, if there is the option for people that are, you know, it'll be deadly for the woman if they don't do it, that's not a ban, then is it? That's a very restrictive situation where here's the only time it can happen. But they're just calling that a ban because it's easy for them to make it look, that's... Dishonest. I mean, come on. Let's do, facts mean things, and the art people today are more interested in their agenda, even if in the means to an end. They're going, well, we believe everyone agrees abortion should be a choice. So, well, no, that's not true. Not everybody believes what you believe. But there's a lot of those. Now, going, you know, going, all these articles at least point out, except The Guardian, that there aren't full bans. Which states have banned abortion after Supreme Court overturned Roe? It says banning all abortions. By the way, Scott and I were talking about this. It's worth looking into, guys. What actually happened after Roe versus Wade? As I understand it, the woman who was actually fighting to the the, the, the person who ended up having the, the, the discussion about whether or not to have an abortion ended up having the baby anyway. And it's it's really interesting how this worked out, and and ultimately then went on to be a champion for the opposite. Like it's a very not that that should necessarily change the the the, the ruling. But it's interesting to see how this stuff works. It seems it's always politicized. But it says banning all abortions in the state except in cases of medical emergency. So this is discussing Missouri. uh, And that's the idea. Most of these still have medical emergencies. I think all of them. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's not a ban then. It's a very restrictive situation. But it says a near, near total abortion ban, which is the the other ones are discussing. So it's not complete. But again, hear me, in case you're just tuning in, I've always maintained that I believe it should be the woman's right, no matter what, no matter what I believe, which is different. Now, this is from Alabama specifically. Judge dissolves injunction on an Alabama abortion ban. It says a Mississippi law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy is what they're discussing. Most. The Supreme Court, in a 6-3 vote, overturned the 1973 ruling of Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion across the nation of the 1992 ruling in Planned Parenthood of southeastern Pennsylvania v. Casey that affirmed abortion rights but said the states could enact limited restrictions. So and that, hear what that's saying. Isn't that a little different than what we're being screamed at from the central new players out there? So Roe v. Wade set the precedent after 1992 ruling or 1973, excuse me, in regard to the 
precedent that set that this this essentially was the status quo of allowing abortion, essentially, is what they're saying. That's, that's you know, it's very flimsy the way it even sounds. But 1992, in Planned Parenthood, South, South, Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey, affirmed abortion rights but said the states could enact limited restrictions. So that's where it opened the door for these states, which it didn't need to be open, first of all, states' rights discussion, to enact their own laws. So where does that stop? The where to point when these states do enact their own laws for restrictions, let's say on the week time frame, six weeks and so on. What does a ruling at a, at a Supreme Court level and a precedent set in that case restrict their rights to make rulings based on what their constituents of the state want, arguably? I mean, it just seems like a interesting slippery slope and it seems like sub, kind of subverting the, the state power over instead of the federal government. But I understand, for even from a state level, in my opinion, I'm very, I'm pretty much anti-government all the way around. But you have to take it step by step here, because as I've always made clear in the past, that the situation we're in is damn near impossible to step out of. Like, let's just go to anarchy. See, in people's minds, they think that means chaos. It doesn't. The point is, it's pretty much impossible with the way people have been trained over the deck, over the centuries, really, over our generations to be stuck in this system. Just to make that clear. But nonetheless, the point is that this is a step in the right direction. As I've made clear, states should have the power over laws and ensuring the constitutional rights don't get altered or challenged or not acknowledged, I guess is the wrong word. You know, because they don't, they're always there at the point. These people just choose not to acknowledge them. Quote, the Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey... Uh, arrogated that authority. I thought that's something else, actually. Take or claim that authority. So it's just saying the Constitution does not prohibit the states from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey, are, they took that authority. Now we overrule, now, we now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives, said Judge Samuel Alito in his majority opinion document. So it's the same kind of idea, guys. This is being framed as them removing something from people. They're just simply handing it back to the states. Now, shouldn't it matter that we're at least accurate with representing what they are saying? Because all they want to do in the, in the corporate one-sided media is say, well, these people, here's what they want. Here's what they think. They don't like abortion. They want to remove women's rights. And that's what they're saying about these judges. I mean, isn't that just incredibly dishonest? Yes. But it says the only exception would be when the mother's health is at risk. Of course, again, that's the point. Those are there. Broadly. Now, of course, they're saying defining life-threatening can be a tricky. And I agree with that. I think I actually think it's pretty ridiculous to set this impossible this idea that if it's only life threatening, so we have to wait until her life is threatened to then make this decision. I mean, it just seems like a ridiculous standard. Again, it should be the choice of the woman to decide, regardless of what you think. As I've said the other day, your personal choice for your body will never be superseded by my opinion of that choice, no matter where I stand, whether I'm the president or Supreme Court judge or your neighbor. It's your choice. While most state abortion bans include some sort of exception when the life of the mother is at risk, it will fall to doctors to prove whether a patient qualifies in an emergency or possible face charges. Well, I don't see why that seems impossible. The doctor makes the decision, especially if you're in a state where that's a, the you know politically leaning. I mean, it just doesn't make sense that they're making this out to be as crazy as it sounds in this specific case. I already stated my opinion multiple times, but Biden's health secretary tells reporters there is no magic bullet on abortion. So this kind of upset a lot of the Democrats out there because they were expecting him to swing in and be like, we're going to burn down the Supreme Court because we disagree, which is ultimately what they're leaning out there in the, ma the ma um, 
Maxine Waters of the world that are out there screaming for violence. And now, I should be clear, that's not technically what she said, which is ex- exactly the idea that we see from Trump and the way that they misrepresent that. There's a point to be made how they would point at the same thing said by Trump and say, it's violence, white supremacy, even though he didn't say even anything remotely as inflammatory as Maxine Waters and the rest of them. But it's clear that they're asking for action in the streets because they, what they did was illegitimate. Now, explain for me what action in the streets would change an illegitimate ruling. If it were actually legitimate, like think about that for a second. So they broke the laws, essentially what they're insinuating, right? They, they did. They stole this. They're illegitimate ruling. So we want to protest to legally change an illegitimate ruling. Yeah, that makes sense, right? How do you legally change an illegitimate? No, the point is they want to pressure, force and drive an action based on their, you know, protesting. That's not the same thing, is it? That sounds quite a bit different. And you would argue, just to be clear and objective, that that's the same thing you could argue about some of the people that were indeed saying that we want to go in the Capitol and overthrow because they stole this and they were there illegally. That's not what everybody is saying around Maxine Waters. That's not what everybody was saying around the January 6th. It's just not. That's called being honest. The problem is that both sides want to pretend everything they're doing is insurrection, even as they just sit in front of Supreme Court buildings. And on the other side, they want to say everything in January 6th was an insurrection, even though that's not even remotely close to what happened, especially since they allowed most of it to continue. But here is the HHS, uh, what's his name again, uh, Bursera, Xavier, talking to reporters and saying, well, sorry, guys, there's no magic bullet. You know why he's saying that? Because what happened was legal. Because it was the legitimate process that happened exactly the way it's supposed to. It's pretty childishly ridiculous that we're acting like some travesty of justice happened. You can very sadly disagree with what happened, sort of the way people cried when Trump got elected. Feel free. You can, and you, maybe you're right. But it doesn't change it into some illegal action because you disagree with the judge's politics. But Health Secretary Xavier Bracera told reporters Tuesday that there's no magic bullet that could restore America's constitutional right to abortion. Gosh darn it, guys. These are people in power. They're just making stuff up. It's not a constitutional right. It's very easy to look up. Show me where what, what constitutional right is talking about abortion. Please, anybody in the chat that thinks I'm wrong, throw it out there. If you say the Fourth Amendment, you don't understand the Constitution and apparently can't read. But it says Bracera has announced several steps aimed at protecting existing protections for women. So this is where it gets interesting. A federal government level entity is saying that we want to take steps at protecting existing protections for women. Okay, so what's interesting, first of all, is they're not necessarily saying that we're going to violate the state laws. Now, if they went into the state and set up things to do for them, well, that that would violate the the state law, which shouldn't happen. It's federal government, anybody. But the interesting part about this is from my point about this should be their choice it seems like well obviously if the women want to have this situation they want to have access to this for whatever reason again even even places in plenty of states right now rape and incest are not even allowed that's crazy to me i mean that is just outrageously ridiculous because i would i would see that as the same level as your life's in danger i mean that's just a little crazy to argue they couldn't do that because again that becomes a religious standpoint that's not politics that's your personal opinion about what's right and wrong about, you know, life and so on. But this is a federal government entity saying protecting protections for women. Now, that's pretty opaque, right? It says including ensuring that pregnant patients can get emergency medical care and safeguarding private patient privacy. Including, so again, it leaves it pretty open to whatever filling in the gaps there he means by protecting existing protections. But it could just mean maintaining what's already still allowed right now. 
That's why people are, you know, it seems like that's what they're doing because he's saying, sorry, guys, I'm not going to really do much. But it says in his remarks, Bracera also noted from HHS Health and Human Services that federal law right now, regardless of the states, allows for abortions through its Medicaid program in cases of rape and incest, a standard at odds with states like Arkansas. So that's interesting, isn't it? So there, this is where it gets into the state. By the way, I would argue that the federal government shouldn't be even having laws like this. Under that's not what the federal government was ever supposed to be. That's that slippery slope over the decades of continuing to coalesce power at the federal level. They should be upholding the Constitution. End of story. Everything else should be the states. Uh, and, you know, military, there's other things to discuss, but really in regard to these laws. Regardless, though, that's currently where it stands. So what happens then? If you're on a federal property, can you go get an abortion? I guess arguably you could. Or the idea that what we're going to get into is they're simply saying, well, we're talking about using your taxpayer dollars. And if that's what the state agrees with, then so be it. I think that's crazy to basically shuttle people to places where they can do it. Now, what's interesting to me is why would we disagree with that? I mean, really take a stand back and think about this. If this is really just about laws and rights, if the federal government was going to set up a federal a, a, a transportation system and ferry people over to states where it was allowed and let them get an abortion and pay for them to go back. And if the state agreed with allowing those tax dollars to be used that way, why would people care about that? You see, this is kind of getting to the crux of the issue because it's not really about like if the state allows it and they want it and it's their body. Right. The, ar- the problem is that there are people on the side, one side of the argument that are so hell-bent set on telling people what they can do with their bodies. Now, think about the idea of the vaccinations and the mandates. Doesn't that matter? Isn't it the same conversation? So for those of you out there that are kind of hung up on this, and it's, I'm not saying you're wrong. I could be wrong. But just think about this, that you're very clearly pointing out that people should not be forced to take injections. But you may believe that life is sacred, and I don't disagree, and therefore you should protect this and shouldn't allow people to make this choice for their own bodies. But that's contradictory. Because the same thing they're saying on the other side of it is that, well, this is helpful for people. This vaccine is saving lives, therefore you should be forced to do it. It's the same argument. And if you can't see that, there's some kind of a block there. The idea, though, is that this should be completely fine. The states made their ruling. They're not breaking the law. They're not breaking federal law. They're paying for it out of the dollars of the people that want it to happen from the state that's allowing it. They shuttle them over. They get it done. They bring them back. Now, that's pretty That's pretty ridiculous. It seems like a pretty undue burden on the woman. But nonetheless, it seems like an interesting stalemate. But the problem is I'm seeing everybody from the side of people trying to stop this entirely going, well, no, that's uh, how dare you circumvent the Supreme Court. That's not what's happening. It seems like everybody from every side doesn't really understand what just happened. When pressed by ABC senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce on why he didn't have more concrete proposals if the ruling was predictable, which that it means they do, they just they can't do anything because there's no laws broken, Bracera noted that he wanted to ensure the administration was on firm legal ground. <laughs> exactly. Because anything else would be illegal, and that would become an, a complete ridiculous quagmire, which probably would end up putting people, somebody in jail. And Think about how ridiculous that is, by the way, because there's so many laws being broken on every moment doesn't they that both sides are okay with so nothing happens foreign policy over on, on steroids but not here but it says we're not interested in going rogue and doing things just because we want to make sure we tell american wait just because we want to make sure what we tell americans is accurate that's an interesting statement we're not interested in going rogue meaning just like standing up and forcing people to do this because that's what they think even though it supersedes the legal process and doing things just because we want to make sure what we tell them is accurate. So we're not interested. That The way that reads, guys, so it says in going rogue and doing things. So the way language works is you're spo- that would be we're not interested in doing things just because we want to make sure what we tell Americans is accurate. 
I don't even, what do you mean? So does, that doesn't matter that it's accurate? We don't want to do things to make sure that it's accurate? Maybe misspoke. It seems like a weird sentence. But it says, because we hear, we know a lot of Americans are hearing a lot of inaccurate information. So you don't want to make sure you're accurate because you're being misinformed? It seems a little bit incongruent. I think he missed, there's a weird sentence structure there. Either way, the point is that there is a lot of misinformation and it's coming from you guys, specifically the media and the government. But it says abortion rights groups have also pitched a variety of options for the federal government to take. Oh, great. So now we've got activist groups telling the federal government what they should be doing. It says one option presented was, a de- was to declare a public health emergency. Well, look at that. Another public health emergency. Don't miss the overlap to free up federal funds, possibly to use for transportation, an idea supported by members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Okay, well, now that becomes a problem, doesn't it? That's why I t- went over that first. Try to help women leave a state if they wanted an abortion. All of it would be fine if you weren't declaring an emergency to do it. You see, that becomes, and I'd almost be willing to argue that was the whole point of this. I don't think that's the case, but that, I mean, come on. Another public health emergency that completely opens the doors to unilateral action, to mandates, to all sorts of crazy things that we saw through any other emergency. Opioids, st- storms, COVID-19, climate change. They're just declaring emergencies and it gives them carte blanche. But isn't that alarming to anybody? I mean, my God, what tomorrow it's all going to be we only live in emergencies. That's just how government works. Didn't you know that? <laughs> it's just crazy to me. But I, and I will. nobody should support that. You don't need a public health emergency, which, by the way, how in the world would that even be declared a public health emergency? How is that affecting other people's health? I mean, my God, that's just crazy town. But if the emergency is not there, I still stand by that. It doesn't seem crazy to allow them to go to a place they want to go to. Another idea is to loosen restrictions on the abortion pill so that it can be picked up at pharmacies. Now, again, I, I personally just don't have a problem with that other than personally in the idea that I just don't agree with that. Like from my own personal life. But again, I will always allow your choice for your body to supersede my personal religious and political opinions. The idea, though, is that you're allowing people to have an access, access to a, a pharmacy version they could do at home. Again, that comes down to the point that people just don't want this to be happening, even if it's happening in the privacy of your own home because they believe they're protecting that child. And again, I even understand where they're coming from. I just simply have to agree with the choice, always. Pharmacies are not part of that network. Uh, it says currently only registered clinicians can prescribe it and mail it. So, so even then, why would it need to be on the shelves if you can just simply have set up a federal database and let people order it from there? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just weird the way this is happening. But... The la- here is here he is actually speaking about this, so let's take a listen to see what he has to say. Just I mean, it just says right here. Oh, I forgot this was loud enough. Ah, uh, it's probably going to be too quiet with my my mic. Basically, he just says, "Talk to me." Like, this is the point we we're saying earlier. Talk to me later. I'll tell you uh, if uh, you're recording, so I won't tell you. Can you do that legally? Think about that. Providing taxpayer funded transportation, and he doesn't want to answer because he feels what like it's. Illegal. <laughs> I mean, what other way do you take that? Can you do that legally? Well, uh, are, are you recording? So no comment. <laughs> well played, sir. That's pretty ridiculous. But Biden administration will use medication abortion. This is the same point. Just elaborating C- civil rights office to help protect abortion rights. See, this is Forbes framing it the way they want you to hear it to help protect abortion rights. It's not about that. It's about your choice. And if people want it and they feel like they're and it's your body, then that should be allowed. There's not a right to any... To, we have to be clear about what rights are, right? Even human rights are enshrined in regard... In, there's plenty of places where you can see these things. The Constitution in the United States has always been there. And it's very clear 
the outlined rights inalienable. Now, it says the Biden administration will take steps to help shore up access to medication uh, to medication abortion. Now, I guarantee this is going to be a sticky problem, an issue for a lot of people. Court, calling the court's decision despicable but not unpredictable, he said the Department of Health and Human Services will take steps to increase access to this stuff, including making sure states can cannot ban abortion bills. Now, again, how is that? that again, this is back and forth. You cannot have something like that happen where the states can't make their decisions for what their people want. The federal government should not be in the business of banning anything, anything, really, if you really think about it. It's ultimately upholding the Constitution. They're protecting under federal law for federal programs to provide these in the cases of rape, incest, when the most life's at risk. Now, why would anybody disagree with those things? That's what I don't get anyway. Why would you force a woman to go through it? Because that's your personal belief superseding people's choices. Now, here's some interesting things I want to show that I think are really telling. Oh, I keep doing that. I'm looking at the time. Now, this is only a couple points to make here. This is a pro-abortion protester, or some of them, grabbing a Bible and playing soccer with it and apparently throwing it in the toilet. The point is, one, because they're doing this at a pro-abortion rally, shouldn't that mean that all of them do that and they all hate the Bible? No, because that would be stupid. It'd be really dumb to just broadly paint everybody at any pro-abortion rally as these kind of people. But you see, the point is, that's what the partisan levels do. That's what the media does in corporate level. Oh, you're wearing a red hat? You're a white supremacist. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's dumb, and it's subjective, and it's trivial. Here is a point, though, to make, that these are some people at this rally disrespecting the Bible. Now, that we've made clear that this should not represent everybody at these, at these protests, what I want to point out, though, is imagine if this was the kind of thing in reverse. Imagine if this was a couple of people out there protesting, pro, uh, you know, uh, so it's pro, pro, uh, anti-abortion stances. And whatever the equivalent would be of something they could kick around that would insult them. You know, they would lose their minds in this and project it as, like I just said, everybody that's against this. That's what the media does. As we always say, be better. Because... They're not. They're terrible, and they're very subjective, and that's the opposite of what they claim they're always doing. But it's still important to see that there are people out here that think this is acceptable. Their stance is correct, right? So those, those morons out there that believe in God and think that this is a representing life, what a bunch of children. Like, this should insult you, and that's why they did it. But, of course, people that support the pro-abortion argument I've seen already defending this because they're just too dumb to understand the Bible's fantasy. That's what they would argue. That should be insulting. It's insulting to me. It's not a hate crime. That's stupid. Oh, sorry. I mean, the cussing, I forgot about. Oh, right, because he's so privileged, right? Talk about a childish argument. So we're calling you out for a really stupid thing you just did, and all you can do is call him privileged? Yeah, that's not a scapegoat couched argument, right? Oh, you're white, so you're bad. That's like, well done. Right, so there you go, right? So he's there saying the Bible that, what about all the people that hate us for no reason? It's like, yeah, they exist. What does that have to do with me? That's just the people, it's just these bottom barrel arguments that have just, it's all or ever, it's everyone's, the right's all this way, the left's all that way. It's just stupid. And I do not believe that most people fall into these categories. 
These are the lowest common denominator people that get tricked by these arguments, and they believe this, and in some cases they may be right about one thing or the other, but at the end of the day, they're being driven by politics by people that don't care about those politics. It's insulting and it's frustrating. And of course, the point is it gets much worse and it goes in the toilet. It's it's just, just frustrating. But important to also point out, a lot of people in the West support eugenics. As Zuby points out, they just don't call it that anymore. It's really important. And we've had this conversation in depth before. The idea that the whole Planned Parenthood in and of itself stems back to a eugenics program. You could argue, you could, arguably, you could say that it's still the same thing today. But end of the day... It's interesting that that's the driven, that's the, the, the foundation for what this is. And you have to factor that in, don't you? As, as Whitney Webb's pointed out many times, the, like the Galton Institute very recently was called the Eugenic Society. These are people that are involved in what you're talking about today. And that has to matter. Just something to consider. Then we have a really excellent point here made by Alexandros Marinos. This is a really great point. So he says on one hand, or on the one hand, he understands the point of view that a fetus is not. Now, he addresses this in the comments below. He simply means just like not, a, a, you know, alive yet. He didn't mean not human. He just kind of, he, he dresses it below. He meant not fully human, whatever. But he means that a fetus is not alive. He understands that point of view. On the other hand, if someone stabbed a pregnant woman, killing the fetus, would anybody be upset if they got tried for murder? In fact, I already know that's happened before. So that's a little bit contradictory, isn't it? So it becomes a subjective emotional point. There seems to be something more complicated going on here. I agree. He says, to break this down a bit, the rubric of individual rights just doesn't work very well with pregnancy. It's pretty clear that killing the fetus against the will of the mother is approximately murder. That's how, I mean, there's, there's been plenty of cases in a similar regard. It's all, or you know, a car accident and the baby dies. That's, all, that's typically included as one of these deaths. It's also clear, he says, that the, excuse me, the life of the mother being at risk changes the calculus. I agree with him. This is pretty back, pretty, all, that's where he dresses it down here. It, this is a pretty, it contradicts all sides of this, right? It just shows you the real core point of this is that it's subjective and political, politically driven. There is logic in here somewhere that we can see, right? So if we agree that if it gets killed in the woman's womb, then it's a murder, then we should be able to argue that it's a life, right? And, that, and the, the defining area of that should be something we can discuss, not driven by politics that are absolutes on other sides. But within that, there still has to be acknowledgement that the woman has the choice about what happens with, with something that's literally... I just can't get past how crazy it is that we're talking about something that's inside her body. I understand, and in fact, as you know, as I've spent a thousand times so far, agree with the fact that I don't think that's something that should happen for my personal beliefs. But it's really crazy that you really, on a fundamental level, you think about the fact that we're talking about what she has to do with her body because... She that's in. I mean, I'm just it's it seems crazy to me. I can't get past that, despite my views. Now, VP Harris is calling for abortion rights supporters to channel frustration into action. Now, right out of the gate, the title, if this was stated by Trump, we already seen we've already seen how that goes. Oh, he means this. I mean, literally high level corporate media outlets, which means they're all propagandist liars, but, you know, high level versions of those liars have stated things just like that. How Trump didn't denounce this thing, therefore we know he wants this to happen. I mean, that is the bare lowest kind of argument. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because just this title alone, and this is what she said, would be used to claim that Trump, wink, wink, wanted this to happen. Now, this is meant to be a partisan point. They're just trying to show you the hypocrisy of how this works. But, to be clear, 
That's what she very clearly said down here. And by the way, what Trump also very clearly said in regard to what, I mean, during the statements they claim he was inciting violence, is he, she says, channel their disappointment into political action. November 2022, midterm elections. Now you can read this for yourself. I mean, the point is, though, there's always these weird insinuations about, you know, taking it to the extreme. Like Max, like, like, Maxine Waters and the way that they do that and the way that they call it illegitimate and you read through the lines and hear what they're ultimately saying, it seems to suggest more than just trying to change legal process. But again, that's not our place to do. We don't assume what she means because that would be pretty stupid. I'm happily point out what I think, but you can't report it as Maxine Waters calls for violence, which a lot of the right did. Just simple facts. This is why we get ostracized by everybody because nobody likes it when we point out the ridiculousness of all of the sides which consume the, the social media out there, even though most people are in the middle. Then a couple interesting points to add to this whole conversation that I think are really, really telling. Now, here she is calling for action. Interesting correlation on the timing, but here's this basically, this is today. Names, addresses of every concealed carry permit holder in California was just exposed. Now, there's a little bit of a contradiction here between local reports and what The Hill is saying, but it says the names, addresses, license, and the license plates. Your home address, your name, and your license plate. If you have a concealed carry permit in California, we're just exposed, as they claim, as part of a data breach suffered by the Department of Justice. Now, this could be as simple as, okay, according to the Fresno County Sheriff's Office, so the Sheriff's Office told them this. Now, could they be covering up what happened? Certainly possible. Officials say, and I'll show you why I say that. Officials of the California State Sheriff's Association informed the Fresno County Sheriff's Office, so it comes one step further, about the data breach impacting those with a permit to carry concealed weapons. That's a huge doxing situation. Now, if this was some kind of politically motivated action, I believe it's going to backfire. I mean, first of all, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, let's go harass the guy with a gun that we can't see. (laughs) That seems like a really stupid decision. Yeah, that's on you. But the idea is that this is meant to, if it was action, which, you know, it's up for you to decide, would be something that feels a little tit for tat, doesn't it? You know, like we're going to call out and harass the people that have a gun because you just stopped us from our, our thing, right? The wedge issues on the left and the right. It's kind of what that feels like. And it's don't miss the absurdity of acting like what they want to do on the, uh, to remove guns is not the same thing from the right wanting to stop abortion. Right, It's about subjective personal opinions, most of which aren't rooted in reality, that you're trying to attack their right to do what the Constitution, in, in this case for the Second Amendment, enshrine, you know, outlines as inalienable. Either way, the point was, I said yesterday, or the last show I did, let's just say for sake of conversation, abortion was a constitutional right, which is not. The argument should simply be that one side, or rather both sides, are doing what they think would save lives. So you have to stand back and realize that it's not, you can't stand by your, in your moral stance and argue that you kind of, you're forcing people to take a certain action. But officials say, or where were we, at the time state officials described it as improving transparency and information sharing. So they have a website essentially where they post all this stuff, but it's meant to be secret. That's really smart. This is why you, that's not even there. This is why the government has no right to even know that you have a gun. Right. This this is the frustrating part about your actual rights and they've chipping away at them over the years. And and, and even more so, are we going to pretend that the guy that's going to go shoot up a place is going to make sure he legally acquires it? I mean, it's so stupid the way they frame these things. But it says that they've disabled the access to the website because of this breach, they keep saying. But there are concerns the information was copied and remained in circulation. That's not concerns. It's 100%. If this went out, it's somewhere. And people are talking about it, sharing it, downloading it. 
It is unknown how long the information was publicly available. Officials said that the, I mean, why would it be unknown? It's a weird statement, isn't it? Everything these days is monitored, tracked. I mean, every, you could see. It's obvious, but that's, that's, there's a reason I don't think they want you to know. Officials add that the state uh, office is working to determine the size of the breach and plans to contact these holders and advise them of the situation. So here's what uh, Anomaly had a video out that caught, the, caught this local report. Here's what they say, which, se- which seems to suggest the exact opposite, that this was something that was accidentally posted by the government. Which then, to me, is not an accident. For now, though, developing tonight, the state of California under fire after posting a list of every person with a permit to carry a concealed gun, including their names, addresses, and phone numbers. The list included celebrities, judges, even victims of domestic violence. CBS 13's Laura Hayfley is live outside the Department of Justice with the concerns many gun owners are raising now. Laura. Well, this goes way beyond a simple filing error. The AG's office released... A simple filing error. That's quite a bit different. ...a list of names, birthdays, gender, race, and home addresses of every single person in the state of California with a concealed carry weapons permit. This all happened last night after the AG released a website in the effort to be more transparent when it comes to gun safety. The website had in it uh, firearm safety information, record sales, and a link to a portal of concealed carry permit holders. Except when you clicked on that portal, thousands of columns came up with all of that personal information included that I just mentioned. Now that... So I think it's pretty obvious, guys. I mean, this, this let's just, it's, it's certainly possible that this report could be wrong, but it seems pretty sound. And so we should wait to see the response. But the idea here is that it seems to me that this was something they either meant to do or wanted to make out to be an accident and all just simply said, oh, just call it a leak because isn't that falling right in line with the large agenda, right? We're all, you know, the cyber pandemic and the leaks and the cyber and the cyber attacks. And let's just pretend didn't, Russia stole it, you know, whatever. But clearly, they posted a website, and then you click on the portal, and you're confronted with information about all the people that they clearly, you know, either, look, how we should wait to this flesh out. But the reality here is this seems very weirdly timed around what just happened with Roe versus Wade, or at least how people perceive it ridiculously without knowing the facts. The idea, though, is that this is, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it's going to, this doesn't really, this seems to backfire in a way. Other than personal information, right? That's not just the carry part, but the idea that you have your license plate, your home address, even celebrities. So the part, the point is that these people are not going to go after them when they're walking around with the gun. They're probably going to do things if they wanted this to be about, you know, right versus left. Because the argument would argue, obviously be, even though it's not accurate, that most people that own guns would be Republicans. And that's, I mean, maybe you could get away with most and that would be accurate, but it's pretty intermittent, guys, or, you know, scattered but the interesting part about this is people are not, they're doxxed, right? So now people can do things to their homes and so on. And so we'll have to see how this plays out. But it seems very, very telling to me. The Second Amendment connection to what's going on, it can't be missed. It's very, very interesting. Now there was, I think that's up here. It's very, the overlap is impossible to miss. And I do definitely think that they, they, that's a choice ultimately. And here's another part of this that I think is very telling. I, I hate to be the kind of, the, I never want to make it out to be everything's always connected, because it's not. There's always things that just happen. But a lot of these things are connected. 
And this thing here starts to make me wonder whether this is more about driving Republicans into one position to then make it harder to take another stance. Right. So here's what this says. All eyes on SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, to decide if EPA has the authority to regulate CO2 or Congress. So we're talking about carbon tax. Exactly the worry. All of a sudden, Supreme Court rulings in this case that shouldn't be happening like this are now on the table to rule whether you could be, you know, what legion, what that leads into uh, social credit, digital IDs, carbon tax. The same kind of climate change tax is the same kind of idea. We're talking about the Supreme Court essentially ruling that the, the, the Environmental Protection Agency, which is completely co-opted, can regulate that. This is not something that your federal government should be doing to the individual. It's just, this is crazy. But now, what happens if they rule that? What happens if they rule the EPA can do that? Then all of a sudden, you got the Republicans coming out and challenging. That's not, they can't do that. Well, that's, it's going to lead to the situation where it seems inconsistent, doesn't it? Are we standing by what they rule or are they not? You see what I mean? It's like they're creating a situation that, one, divides people, but also continues to drive them in the direction of the larger agenda. Very concerning to me, but we'll have to see what happens here. Now, going over to some interesting discussions that are uh, related to January 6th, really. Kind of, you know, the overlap I've made about January 6th compared to what were the protest arguments around the Supreme Court ruling. You know, insurrection, all the right keeps calling it, which is just dangerous and exactly what they wanted from you. This says, former Senate security chief dies. Death not considered suspicious. Now, it becomes interesting and more suspicious when you see what he just literally said about January 6th. In fact, let's play it first, and then I'll... Uh, Oh, you know what? Shoot. I mean, did I? Oh, I did download it. Good. Let me just grab this for you real quick. I keep forgetting I have to add these videos in here. Let's see. Here it is right here. Take a look. There is an opportunity to learn lessons from the events of January 6th. Investigation should be considered as to the funding and traveling what appears to be professional agitators. First Amendment rights should always be considered in conjunction with these investigations. Law enforcement coordination in the National Capital Region should be reviewed to determine what can be done in a more efficient and productive manner. Intelligence collection and dissemination, training and concepts on the use of force must be consistent. This integration should be accomplished without regard to self-interest and cause. In, conclu in conclusion, whenever you prepare for a major event, just always consider the possibility of some level of civil disobedience at these demonstrations and plan accordingly. Events of January 6th went beyond disobedience. This was a violent, coordinated attack where the loss of life could have been much worse. This concludes my prepared remarks. Well, that's a little bit interesting, isn't it? So he stands up and essentially calls out the entire discussion saying, you know, professional agitators. This is exactly what we've been talking about. And by the way, it is undeniable, literally verifiable. There's been admissions to the fact that there was FBI agents in these militias that were there. Admissions to these people, the Navy psychological agents op op uh, officer that was present. These are very real things. The Antifa individual that was caught caught 
screaming things about Republicans and even caught recorded later saying, we got it, we tricked them, we did it. That's on the record, guys. It's so crazy. And they know those things are there and they dismiss them. How about Ray Epps? The FBI number, you know, one of the number one people we're looking for that suddenly disappears and no one talks about. And they're all calling him a Fed and he's involved in every single aspect of them driving them into the... It's so ridiculous. So he sits up and says that. Now, I'm not suggesting I know for sure that this is correlated. Or rather, not correlated, but that this is connected. But there's an obvious correlation here. It says, Michael Stranger, the former sergeant at arms who oversaw Senate security during the Capitol 6 situation, set, was found dead Monday morning. The cause of death is not yet known. But yeah, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and say, cons- not say, right, considered suspicious. We don't even know what caused his death. Sort of sounds like the injection discussion. The medical examiner in Virginia did not handle his death, a spokesperson said, indicating that it's not considered suspicious. So you're guessing, but yet you put it in the headline as a fact. Great journalism. My God, these people are children. The U.S. Capitol Police declined to comment. Fox News reporter reported that Stringer had cancer. But yeah, that's, it's typical that you just quietly die in your bed when you were just previously speaking publicly from cancer. Just like that, right? Sort of like Omani in, in the, uh, in the, AE, uh, the uh, International Agency for Atomic Energy. Remember that? Who just suddenly got cancer and died like four days later, even though he said that Israeli government and the U.S. government were trying to kill him? Yeah, weird, right? Important information. Now, I want to go through the FDA's proposed future framework discussion because we just talked about this. This is just the article we covered the other day showing you the information about what's going to be happening. And by the way, the other point showing you that the Moderna shot, which they now call spike backs, has been approved. Even though, just like the community, it's not being used. That's their illusion of approval. They got that checkbox. Now, if they can get it recommended for children, they're, they have identity. They're, done, they're untouchable. We're that, they're that close. The problem is they're not even using the approved versions, if they even exist. They just have a name on a shelf. They claim that that's what they're, oh, we just got to run out of the stock first. Yeah, how long is that going to take? Didn't they tell you they would have these community versions by November? What happened that? We just stopped talking about it. That's what happened. Still being used with indemnity. That's why it's emergency authorized. But also, if they have two different approved shots specifically for COVID-19, legally they can't even have an emergency authorization. But on top of that, there's a third shot that they approved for alopecia. You know, just so happens to treat COVID-19 as well. So that's three approved shots on top of their supposedly approved Paxlovid, which is a treatment, or all the other treatments that definitely have effectiveness work. And those are all these different reasons that this isn't legal, but that's a different conversation. The future framework would take the flu strain selection process and apply that to the COVID shots, which means no safety testing. Just if they're biologically similar, we can just can assume, because that, that's what you want, right? That it's safe because it's similar to the, as the other ones. Biologically similar. So I have this in here just to go off of these models if you want to check this stuff out. We just went over this the other day. But here's the actual discussions. FDA advisors vote to include an Omicron-specific component for the coronavirus booster in, in the U.S. So just understand this before, to go, not to go through wildly in depth, because I'm trying to make sure we can get reasonably close to two hours. The idea here is that this has been already voted on, and the idea is if you're including an Omicron-specific component to the ones you're already using, and that the vote they were having was on this framework, future framework, there's no safety testing. They're just including these, they're doing efficacy testing, and they're pumping them back out. They've already done the efficacy testing, technically. Which, by the way, you're going to absolutely love slash be horrified by the next part, which shows you exactly something exactly on that tar- topic. 
but this is they did they just voted this quote does the community committee excuse me does the committee recommend inclusion of a SARS-CoV-2 Omicron component for COVID-19 booster vaccines not the re- normal you understand they still want you to take the original thing based on a spike protein that's or a, a isolate or whatever you want to call it that's not there anymore why does that make sense so you're literally voting to include this because it doesn't work without it but yet we want you to go ahead and take the original one though there's some weird voodoo going on there that they're sticking with that they need that to happen first for the second thing we explain it to me why would you want someone to take an injection that creates antibodies for something that's literally not there anymore Anybody honest can point this out, and they're all doing that. The doctors and scientists that are honest are pointing that out. Even they were saying stuff similar way back in the beginning that now they're pretending doesn't exist. Sort of like natural immunity. 19 of the members voted yes, two voted no, and I'll make sure you know who those two are. Two Omicron subvariants, BA4 and BA5, are now dominating transmission of COVID in the United States. Yeah, but remember the deaths have collapsed, and it's every, the only people that are really seemingly continuing to increase their problems are the people with the injections in their body, based on all their data. But let's pretend like it's these variants that are super dangerous, according to the CDC, who've been caught lying endless amounts of times throughout just this process. Future U.S. COVID vaccines will be different. Exactly. This means that the COVID-19 vaccine people in the U.S. will get in the future will be different. The committee does not determine how, and the committee was was not asked to vote on what sublineage to include or whether the booster should be monovalent vaccine or bivalent vaccine, which would include two strains. They chose bivalent, and I'll show you next. Even though it's shown to be less effective and less safe, they chose it because it works for their agenda. That's not even a joke. Dr. Peter Marks, director of the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, who've been multiple times shown you to be completely inept, said there will be a conversation going forward to determine who needs another booster and what that booster will look like. Spoiler alert, it's going to be for the rest of your life. Marks noted that the bivalent vaccine targeted the BA4 and BA5 Omicron subvariants seemed to be the preference of the committee. The FDA said in a May, in May, even using the new normal, in May that the, quote, new normal may include an annual COVID shot and flu shot for people in the fall. Cases are expected to rise again in the fall and winter. Yeah, round and round and round we go, over and over. And, je- and this is exactly what people said months into this. Their plan is to make this universal. Their plan is to make this year-round all the time. Shouted down, censored, fake news, even though it was provable then. Because it's still provable now. It's the same thing they've been trying to do the entire time. That was always the plan. And now they've done this in contradiction to the data. It's absolutely BS crazy. (laughs) It's absolutely maniacal is what it is. But here is an incredible catch. I love the people that want to sit through these. I, I can't stomach them anymore. Well, here's the FDA admitting that they do not have an established correlation between making antibodies from these injections and having that translate to protection. Now their metric is, do they make antibodies? Well, there you go. Put them in kids' arms. That's even what they've made clear in their discussions. Check this out. Thank you, uh, Mahesh, for pointing this out. Here's the link he provided. Thank you for doing so. This, This is incredible to me just because, like the clip we just played the other day, they're, they're admitting on the surface what they then, what should make all of this go away. And yet they then vote yes anyway. Check this out. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant. But as we know, that's a long question. We need a quick answer. <laughs> I would say there is no established correlate of protection. 
Thank you. That was a quick answer, Dr. Fink. Yeah, you heard that right. That's actually what was said. Now, as I opened with that clip, let's play it again, just in case people missed it, because this is even crazier, right? So one, they're saying we don't have a correlation to prove that antibodies we're producing actually translate to protection. That's because they're producing antibodies that you don't need, guys. That's why people are getting antibody-dependent enhancement, like the peer-reviewed science found back in 2020 in December, where they said needed to be informed to people, and they didn't do that, though. Trust the science, right? Well, here's the one where they say that we don't know how this works. How should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. That's crazy. Right, so here we are. We don't know how it works. We don't even know if it translates to protection, but we're going to make sure that we go forward, standing on this house of cards, to make things we don't safety test going forward. Because it's smart, right? We're going to assume they're biologically similar and then assume that antibodies make protection and assume that what we think is working is actually happening. All assumptions, but that's all for your safety, though. Make sure you understand that. Ignorance is strength, guys. War is peace. Here's the video if you want to watch it for yourself. Now, here's Stat News writing, FDA advisory panel recommends Omicron-containing booster shots. A couple points in here I want to read. The panel was broadly in favor of telling companies to start manufacturing an Omicron-containing booster, with only two panelists voting that the data... This this is important. These are experts. Just because it was two to, to eight doesn't mean that these two experts should not be considered. Two people, expert panelists, voted that the data did not support that action. How can you argue, how can you realize that there are two experts that are looking at the same data and saying that doesn't support that? Now, there's always disagreements, but to have, I mean, that just blows me away. But there was consensus, and by the way, when you ask the other experts in the world that aren't on the panel, that have been caught, the experts that have continually caught them, these panelists lying, omitting information, changing things, they'll tell you that this doesn't make sense. It's obviously dangerous. But there was consensus on more than that. Stat News writes, the panelists largely agreed that the booster should contain the BA4, BA5 variants of Omicron, if that's what we're actually talking about. The data for shots containing these variants largely comes from tests on animals, not humans. But the panelists believe the new vaccine would be similar enough to previously tested variant vaccines on animals that is worth trying to get ahead of the next viral mutation. So now again, we're guessing based on the idea that there's so much danger just ahead that we have to circumvent safety because that outweighs the coming danger. You live in, in benefits outweigh the risks land now forever. That's all, that is their go-to because it means we can take dangerous action and then when it blows up in our face, we're going to say we did what we thought was right. That's where we need to step in now and say, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to pretend you know what's going to happen and argue that the unknown outweighs the unknown. You guys are lunatics. So we're going to use something that's only been tested on animals that we don't know how it works, that we don't even know if it translates to safe, that, safe or effective. And we're going to jump ahead of all of that to get ahead of the next thing, even, even though you're producing antibodies for something that won't work if it becomes the next thing. I mean, this is lunacy. It says, as one panelist said, where the puck is going, not where it is now. So they're apparently psychic. And that's where the next part comes in, where they want you to pretend this is transitioning to a universal vaccine, but they're not there yet. But it says, despite data from Pfizer showing a better immune response, a better. Again, this is how they do this. What does that mean? 
you've seen this be where it's just fraction better and they argue it's better, therefore it's, it's safe and effective. But the point is that they are showing th- th- their data, their own data shows that a better immune response would come from the so-called monovalent. Basically meaning they do the same thing and they only make it tailored to Omicron. Their data shows that would be better. But the panelists instead backed a bivalent vaccine. The one that contains Omicron and the original SARS-CoV-2 strain. Right. So when it becomes some new variant thing, which is what they're all pointing at, which is why they justified this, how exactly would something focused on Omicron and the original one make sense? To say it a different way. This is just based, this is their logic, you understand. But the idea is that they, they're, they're driving this in the direction of two, three, four, forever, universal. That's what, they have an agenda here. It has nothing to do with what's actually safe. The, pres- the, the panel had mixed ideas, that's my opinion, obviously, on whether the ex- to extrapolate from results in adults to children for new boosters. Why is all this guessing happening? I can tell you, the only reason they make sense of that is to argue that we're all in so much danger that they have to do that. But that's not true. Even they admit that in other conversations today. Then it just becomes, well, it could get worse. Okay, well, then you can't argue we're in so much danger that you have to skip your processes. But all said that company needed to collect data from children more quickly. Exactly. Quick, quick, quick. Get the children. Get the children. That's obviously where this feels like it's going. In his closing remarks, the FDA marks, FDA's marks, <laughs> that's his name, seems to make a plea to all sides. Please believe that we're doing the right thing for you. What's the usual response to someone that goes, please, please trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I tell the truth. Skepticism. Why in the world would the FDA need to stand up and say, please trust that we're doing what's right for what he actually said was acting in good faith? Isn't that the foregone conclusion? Why would we wonder that you're not? You see, we do because we've caught them lying. My point, though, is to the average person, that would be like, why did you need to say that? Because they know we see them. That's alarming to me. Now, of course, the idea, now that they've already got one foot in the door, standing on sand, a quicksand, a house of cards built on quicksand, arguing, save it effective, quick, 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 go to the next one, right? Before we can even get a handle on what's currently happening with the original thing they gave people, which we do know, if you're paying attention, is lots of danger, blood clots, heart attacks, all kinds of crazy stuff. But they're stepping on that house of cards on the quicksand to build the next thing. We don't even have established that mRNA actually works without enough side effects to hurt too many people, or even truly works. I mean, there's so many things in the air that people are, that experts are challenging, but they're going to test the universal vaccine next because that was always the plan. I've said that from day one because they said that. I've showed you Fauci saying that. I've showed you all of them talking about this. Got plenty of them and they're, this is obvious. Conspiracy theory becomes conspiracy fact. It's not that hard to see. Then we have some really disgusting propaganda that just blows my mind. And this has already happened more than once. People already called them out. I think it was uh, Gupta on CNN called these people out for using things like Sesame Street to propagandize children. Ask yourself, why would you aim this propaganda on at infants? Are infants walking up to the vaccine centers? No. Are they supposed to be able to get shocked with their parents? No, that's happening, though. So this kind of propaganda is disgusting because you are trying to set the table for children to believe these things. And rather specifically, I would argue to get children to petition their parents who maybe don't want this to get them to do it because Elmo said so. It, this is horrific to me. Now daddy has super duper hero bandages just like 
like Elmo. You were a hero today, getting your COVID vaccine, Elmo. There was a little pinch, but Elmo was really glad to have Daddy there with him. I had questions about Elmo getting the COVID vaccine. I talked to our pediatrician and learned that the vaccine is the best way to keep him and everyone else healthy. <laughs> it's okay to have questions about COVID vaccine. Yeah. Hashtag get vaccinated. Yeah. Hey, you three-year-olds, go to that link. Make sense? Shouldn't. It's crazy and disgusting. The idea being that this is about manipulating children. Who cares that they don't need it? Who cares they're not at risk? Who cares there's a dramatic increase in myocarditis and everything else? Right? Oh, now I can go back around my friends, right? This, this is disgusting. On top of that, guys, let's jump into the next completely unrelated topic, right? As you're manipulating children to get shots they don't need, check out this totally unrelated topic. Pandemic babies with no immunity are ending up in intensive care across Australia with respiratory illnesses. Yeah, our first thing we have to do is completely ignore the vaccine because we know that didn't do it, right? And just jump into everything we can grab. Anything, anywhere. Could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this too? Let's research. How about we research the thing that is clearly causing these problems, like the injection, or the fact that we can correlate this with the only real unknown genetic experimental injection that we've mass produced and mass put out? Yeah, none of that matters though, right? This is so frustrating. When you read into this, you find out very quickly this is pandemic babies, meaning babies that were born during this process, many of which who we've already seen on record actually have already gotten injections despite the fact they've never been allowed to, even up until recently, even though there's all sorts of reports and bears about these kind of level children. I was making that clear from the very beginning. But on top of that, we have the shedding of spike proteins. We have all sorts of other things happening. We have women who got vaccinated having babies. And we know that it, they've never, te- right now, the studies still, the CDC, or excuse me, the FDA data, or excuse me, the Pfizer data specifically still says they do not know if it's safe for pregnant women. Since I've incorrectly stated that three twice, <laughs> I'll show you the document. And th- th- this is still their standing document. This is the most recent. It was updated February 2022. I got to remember this number here. What is it? 105. Use in pregnancy and while breastfeeding. The safety profile vaccine is not fully known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. I mean, how in the world? That's still there. It also still says the use in immunocompromised patients. They don't know if it's safe, even though they pushed it on them first. Frail patients with comorbidities, otherwise elderly people, pushed it on them first. Don't know if it's safe. And, of course, the most important one, long-term safety, they do not know. It's unknown at present. Long-term safety is unknown. But quick, 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 get it in all the children's arms, right? My God. So, pregnant women, they don't know it's safe, get forced to take this to do all sorts of things, and all of a sudden, babies start having problems. Now, do I know that's causing this? No. Could be. Do I know that it's all of it? No, it could also be partly that and partly other things. The bottom line here is that you have babies, and I argue even infants, where they're putting masks on babies in the hospital, which then also increases their risk of illness. I mean, there's so many things of this, guys. But the bottom line is, all they can do is they point to everything else and you're not you're gonna laugh when i show you the last part rising number of pandemic babies with no immunity okay let me ask you this if a mother who got injected or just got sick or no it's i take it back if a mother who got sick from from anything and has immunity and then has a baby the argument should go historically that they transmit that immunity in most cases not always But the idea here is that these women who have injections, who destroy their immune system, which we're seeing proven by peer-reviewed science more and more every day, have children, and they're born with problems. Now, you can look at the 
uh, James Lyons Weiler study, plenty of other studies about vaxxed versus unvaxxed well visits, and it's catastrophic. Simple comparison, which can't be denied. It is correlation, but you can't deny if you compare unvaxxed children to vaccinated children, their well visits, meaning going to the hospital or you know, doctor's office when they're children, it's like a factor of 10. I don't want to misquote it. I forget the entire study. It's way, way more. Ear aches, tummy aches, eye problems, just everything is increased across the board. So it, you could argue just injections in general. You can argue this woman specifically or this COVID injection. Or how about women that had multiple injections? It doesn't matter. The point is that's an obvious thing that any honest investigator would look at, and nobody's talking about that. It's not even mentioned. Here's another report. It, it's just it, in what they're kind of ultimately getting at. Let me see if this is loud enough. Nope, too low. What they're ultimately getting at is that children are getting sick because of something, some unknown problem, which just becomes quite ridiculous when you see everything that's happening. Oh, shoot, I think that was the one. Nope, not that one. Hold on one sec. Ah, whatever. You know what? I'm going to skip this just because I don't want to have to grab the thing and make you guys wait. So, let me see what he says. That's right. That was the one point I want to say. So, hear what he's telling you. Same story. But he's reporting you that their babies are testing positive, guess what, guys, for flu and COVID-19. That's right. So, they were just born. Infants. And they suddenly have COVID? So, explain for me how that even happened. Aren't, isn't the hospital supposed to be sanitary and secure? Or is it PCR testing? Or is it, I mean, what? remember when they first brought up the flu Rona? Maybe they let that out a little too early because it suddenly disappeared. Now suddenly we're claiming pandemic babies who are at the least risk from what's happening have flu Rona all of a sudden? How in the world do you even test positive for two of them simultaneously? None of this has even been shown to be, re- this seems like nonsense to me. Or it seems like babies are coming out with severe problems because of the genetic manipulations in these women's bodies that nobody wants to address. Bottom line is, this is completely subjective, based on false positives, based on everything else, and is just being ignored that there's an obvious elephant in the room. It makes me very sad, and they're pushing this on kids right now. Oh, and then here, Igor points this out. Thank you for sharing this, Igor. And here, oh, by the way, so we were just talking about this. Here's Igor's discussion about decline in births in Germany. We were just talking about this. Like four different locations have come out independently, respectively, and found a, almost exactly the same drop in 2022 for, for reproduction, for births. How do you explain that? If, if it was COVID or whatever you want to call it, it would have been happened in 2021. So he points out this article, make, basically making fun of it, and I agree. This is June 20th. Review of research shows, guess what, guys? Climate change starts harming children before they're even born. Way to get ahead of it, guys. Right, so climate change, which is completely subjective in what you argue that is, right? So, so an altering in temperature is hurting them in the, in the womb? Like, this is so ridiculous to me. I'm not even going to say that you couldn't find some correlation here. But how obvious this is. Everything, oh, or heart problems and all this stuff. It's, it, this is, it, it, it upsets me. I think you can tell. Because we're watching these children get pushed into situations by their parents that is dangerous. But it all drives in the same direction. Research shows, like what about the peer-reviewed science that shows unequivocally this is happening? Well, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about an observational study trying to correlate these things with other things in the world. But when we port it correlation, we're conspiracy theorists because correlation is not causation, Right? 
We point to observational studies and they go, oh, you're so stupid. It's not peer reviewed. It's observational. Except that's like their bread and butter when they point out it. It's, it's everything is subjective today. And here's Dr. McCullough making sure you understand what's actually happening here. 40,000 deaths. In fact, people have already called for these to be removed. They just don't care. I have this one. I'll get, I'll get in line with OBS soon enough. Bodies worldwide has called for a global recall of all vaccines because worldwide, 40,000 deaths that the safety databases across the world, 40,000 in the big ones, VAERS, the yellow card system, the VigiSafe, and the UDRA system. 40,000 deaths with the vaccines. Unacceptably high. Typical standard for any biologic product is 50 deaths, pull it off the market. Something's gone wrong. 50, not 40,000. So when there is a global recall by an international organization, this committee ought to be having emergency meetings. What are we going to do? A worldwide body has called for these to pull off the market. They're still giving it. You just heard from the pharmacy director ahead of me. He's still giving them out. When there's a worldwide call, call, recall, there should be some committee meeting so you have it down. I mean, you can tell something is going wrong here that we're in trouble in terms of vaccine safety. Dr. Malone has covered vaccine efficacy, which has largely waned. I will just tell you that the CDC told us as of December 10th, 2021, with the Omicron strain, 79% of people with Omicron were fully vaccinated. That is prima facie evidence that the vaccines have completely failed against <coughs> Omicron. Hmm. We've covered this in general before. Oh, sorry, it's loud. Yeah, we've covered this before. It's it's very it's it's incredible. He's taught he they've they've met this they've met the requirements for this and nobody cares. Right? I mean, the, this this is real. There is plenty of data, and don't even forget we just talked about the idea that the way these safety signals are supposed to work. They don't need to be proved. Even the very Jane, Jane Rain, I believe, from the UK said this back in 2006 about their yellow cards. They said, we don't need to prove it. The signal and the concern is enough to pull these off the market. The only since COVID-19 has that changed. Totally makes sense, though, right? Not suspicious at all. Now, here is in regard to Bayer. Same point we were just sort of making. This is... Uh, this was, uh, who was it again? Uh, where's the name? Ron Johnson reaching out to Walensky from the CDC. He writes regarding the tracking of COVID-19 vaccine adverse events. We just talked about this. According to the recent article, the CDC failed to provide records responsive to the Freedom of Information Act request relating to their standard operating procedure. Remember, we just talked about this. Here's the, here's the article. CDC caught ignoring theirs. Now, this caught the attention of the sender, and he reached out because it's very easy to prove. They either didn't give him the information or they never tried to look for it. Because in their argument, what they say is that they don't have it. Basically says that they, they failed to produce the Bayer weekly tables. The bottom line is it says, in response to the May 9th FOIA request, the CDC did not provide all of the requested tables information. CDC claimed, however, that no information was withheld from the release. So there's only two possibilities. They're lying or they never did what they promised they would do. And with them dismissing the safety signals, that's straight up criminal. 
If you don't even know what's going on over there, but yet you're dismissing it as unverified, that's exactly what I've been telling you is happening. It says this raises questions about whether the CDC ever collected the information on the vaccine safety. It claimed it was its standard operating procedure. So you can read the rest of yourself. The point is he's calling them out. We require a response from you, right? We require that all documents requested be produced or you admit that you never did it. Pretty crazy. If the CDC did not collect any of the data above, please explain why in detail who made that decision. I can promise you this is going to be straight up ignored, which says everything. Here was Josh's tweet we, we shared. Please read his he does excellent work on this topic. The FOIA release shows the CDC lied about Bayer's safety monitoring efforts. The reason they never found any safety signals is because they weren't looking for them. It's crazy. Again, here's the show. You can watch for yourself. Next, we have Tracy pointing out, Tracy MD, PhD, the text of this California bill, AB2098, against physician misinformation. We're seeing that a lot right now, right? Iran just came out and said, we're making people misinformation illegal. Which is interesting because I made the point on Twitter today that even, you know, Iran seems to be you know at odds with the U.S. agenda for a lot of reasons. And I think they are. I think at, this, at, the, at that level, they very not, they're very much adversarial. But I believe there's much more coordination going on when it comes to the grand agenda. Because ultimately, what this gives them is more control over their populations, even if they think they can buck the other parts of this to kill, still get that benefit. I think they're going to be surprised. But at the end of the day... Every angle, it seems like they're making it illegal to misinform, which is completely subjective, and the government's doing so is the last thing anybody should want. They passed in the Senate yesterday. Now, ironically, contains misinformation. So their misinformation bill literally contains provable misinformation. I know, totally shocking during COVID age, right? That's like everything we've seen everywhere else. It says that unvaccinated individuals are 11 times greater risk from dying from COVID than full vax, but it's now under eight times for booster and 0.56. Well, regardless, the point is I, I disagree that the risk is greater for anybody other than people that are getting injections. That's my, that's my opinion. But guys, it's rooted in the peer-reviewed science, rooted in the data they keep hiding from everybody. But regardless, they're stating a number that right this moment, the CDC's data says opposite of. You can read it for yourself. All the links are included. Here's the bill that says very clearly, 11 times greater than those who are fully vaccinated. And what does fully vaccinated mean? Right? What, what does that even mean? One, two, three, five, eleven? It doesn't. Who knows anymore? Up to date, fully vaccinated. We're talking about two or up to date for three, because that's where it is in the U.S. right now. That's completely confusing. How can you be up to date but not fully vaccinated? Or excuse me, how can you be fully vaccinated but not up to date? Seems ridiculous. Here's the link itself for the CDC. It's it's we've gone over this already. Is the point? This is ridiculous. But misinformation bills include things that aren't true, and you're the one being censored. Here's some more, I guess, obfuscation. Possible link between blood clots and the injections they've admitted cause blood clots? No. Climate change? Maybe. (laughs) Nope. COVID symptoms investigated. So here we go, circling back. So now we've admitted that these shots can cause blood clots. We've seen overwhelming examples of how it's far more prevalent than they want you to think it is. And all they can do is go back to say, well, you have symptoms which, by the way, these injections are also causing, which has been very clearly proven. But now they go, but you got COVID then, so therefore it's COVID, therefore it's long COVID. None of that's even being remotely proven. I'm not even making this up. You can read this for yourself. It's ridiculous. UK studies will look into what look into. So as we have provable correlation, provable evidence that these things can cause that, provable correlation that the injections have correlated in the rise to what we're seeing here, and all they can do is look anywhere else. 
Let's investigate whether my shoes caused this. Okay, get on it right now. Why? Why would you investigate in a different direction when you've got plenty of evidence pointing in one direction? That's a choice to ignore where the evidence is pointing. It's pretty simple. UK studies will look into whether blood thinners may help people who have these symptoms. Hey, another boon for the pharmaceutical industry. Rock and roll. A possible link between blood clots and ongoing symptoms. Possible link of COVID. Symptoms of COVID is under scrutiny by researchers. So they have an idea, so they drive at it investigatively. Though that's called confirmation bias. When you start out having a preconceived idea that you try to find evidence for, you're probably going to find evidence for it. That's not how science is supposed to work. And an honest scientist would tell you that. While COVID can cause a period of acute illness, that's debatable in and of itself, by the way, it can also lead to longer-term problems. Can it, though? That's debatable. Research has suggested fewer than a third of patients who have ongoing COVID symptoms after being hospitalized with the disease feel fully recovered a year later. Let's see where they're pulling that data from in this article for June 2022. Oh, I see, from December 2021. And it says, many COVID hospital patients do not feel fully recovered after a year, this study says. What study is that? One where they don't post a link to it, don't even give you the name of the study. Oh, turns out it wasn't even peer-reviewed. Isn't that funny? We get attacked left and right if you even reference something not peer-reviewed on Twitter. But this is what they love to bank in link references to a link, references to a study they said they were referencing. Right. So where's the source material? It's not there. So you can go out of your way, and I could probably find it. It's not even the point is not to do so because it's not the, the focal point. But why do they get away with that? See, because these people are ridiculous. Because they're driving an agenda. Their sycophants will attack anybody that challenges that, just like you see on their the independent media world, where you have these people that are you know religiously absorbed in someone's show, and they'll attack anybody that says anything different. That's not that's not how any of this should be. Watch our chat. Watch the conversations people have in this chat. It's because we seek out objective discussion. But it says. Oh, so the point was fewer than a third have this discussion based on information not peer-reviewed, but seemingly never was, and the argument being that it's just correlation. Now researchers are due to begin a number of trials to explore whether blood thinners. So we just jump right over. Let's just go right to blood thinners to treat this thing. But here's the point. As I've said many times, this is even the Express, right? Long COVID. Could your lingering symptoms be a side of the vaccine? The conclusion is pretty much yes. But on top of that, here's the main point. I keep showing this. It's peer-reviewed, and I don't see it challenged anywhere else, so that's why I keep pointing at it. So until people address this on the art, like, until people like The Guardian, when they make these long COVID points, come over here and go, but here's peer-reviewed science that argues it's all psychosomatic, but here's why that's not accurate. Or here's another study that says, that says the opposite of that. That's not what's happening. They just, the, you know, the trust the science crowd, just ignore this study because they don't like what it says, which is peer-reviewed on JAMA Network, that the findings of this cross-sectional analysis of a large population-based French cohort suggest that persistent physical symptoms after COVID-19 infection may be associated more with the belief in having infected infection than with SARS-CoV-2, or infected with SARS-CoV-2, than having a confirmed infection. Now read the article. I've gone over this in the past in depth. Almost every single person that they, they discuss that has claims to have long COVID never got definitive proof they ever even had COVID. Every single one of the people that they talk to that they actually have COVID and they test them don't have what they say is long COVID. Now, th- th- this is pretty interesting, but nobody wanted to talk about it. The corporate media ignores it. This is peer reviewed. 
So how do we carry on arguing that we, and even this is long COVID is like a potentially long COVID, the unknown potential future. They just can't, they don't care to look at it. That's childish, first of all, but it's not journalism. It's not science. It's propaganda. But here's Kevin saying an unvaccinated friend who had COVID-19 is looking for a therapist to deal with some serious mental health and family issues. The therapist turned them down because they were unvaccinated. Quote, we do not want unvaccinated people as clients. That's, that's bigotry. That's racism. If it was black people, of course, it would be racism. Right? That's the course. No, no question. This problem is not going away. That's crazy to me. Now, of course, it's what's even funny is that statement by certain people will be taken as some sort of slight against black people. It's just so ridiculous how, how shut down people's logic. That point that I shouldn't even get into is attacking the people that use racism, typically white politicians, to be quite honest, against everything they want to use it against. Most and usually at the detriment of people that they're using it at, in the illusion of, of helping the black people or whatever else they're using it as. In this case, a lot of the LGBTQ community today, they act like they're using it to fight for them. And really, they're belittling and undermining them in general. In fact, these people don't actually care about those things as they openly support places like Ukraine that could care less about these things. But the real point is about there are locations that are actively saying, not because it's required, not because the science backs it up, right? Those, these things have been removed. They are personally choosing that we just don't want unvaccinated people. How is that even allowed? In fact, that is a crime. But it is because you're allowed to break the law and lie and fake news spread in the direction of pro-vaccine discussions. In this case, that unvaccinated are the dangerous ones, which is completely not backed up by the facts. But that's still happening, despite all of the evidence showing these people are suffering, the people that are taking injections and spreading is still more than anybody. Here's another inform- in- inform- informative point. Autopsy histopathologic cardiac findings in two adolescents following the second COVID dose. Context. Myocarditis in adolescents has been diagnosed clinically. That's not, not something they want people to hear. Diagnosed clinically following the administration of the second dose of mRNA vaccine for coronavirus disease. Provable. So when people come out and say, I got myocarditis from the vaccine and they get censored and attacked and laughed at on Twitter... Why does that make sense, anybody? The, the results are the microscopic examination revealed features resembling a catecholamine-induced injury, not typical myocarditis pathology, which is very interesting. So be clear that they're discussing this in the context of being triggered by the injection. But what it seems to suggest, and this is backed up by what we're seeing in the field of these athletes, is that when you create a situation where you have heightened stress, Heightened activity, it triggers some kind of a problem that's only there because of the injection. But it, it took the stress and the activity to cause this to happen. This is just an old study from 2012. Stress cardiomyopathy, a syndrome of, of this catecholamine-mediated mycardial stunning. So this is independent of the ejection discussion. This is arguing that this is being seen specifically following these injections. But it goes on to say the conclusion, the myocardial... Cardial, myocardial injury seen in these post-vaccine hearts is different from typical myocarditis and has been has an appearance most closely resembling what we just discussed the the catecholamine mediated stress toxic cardiomyopathy understanding that these instances are different from typical myocarditis and that cytokine storms storm has been has a known feedback loop with these catecholamines and may help guide screening and therapy now, the cytokine storm has been something discussed early on in all this. 
But the point is, this is maybe a clear indication of why it's not as readily available, readily seen until that problem happens. The point, though, is that they don't want to hear any of this. They're completely content kicking this down the road to long COVID and totally unverifiable things. While the peer-reviewed science continues to find the correlation and, in fact, prove that this is happening. Oh, and by the way, before we jump into a couple final points before Ukraine, the CDC of their own accord. So the WHO, which, by the way, I can almost promise is going to very soon create the international concern for monkeypox. Because they, they're not yet, they last said. And then uh, Kev, what's his name? Kevin, I forget his last name, from the WHO, was just speaking today in their briefing about how they're going to reconvene immediately with new information. And, and just like with COVID-19, they said, nope, it's not a big concern. Then a week later said, yes, it is. Which can happen if you believe they're being genuine. But I believe there's more going on here. But the point is, the CDC independently of their own accord activates emergency operation centers for monkeypox. It doesn't seem this is going away. I don't even understand this. There's no deaths. I don't understand how this makes sense. Maybe it's just to keep you distracted with something else. Or set up these emergency operations which just transition into whatever the next thing they want to use it for. I mean, I don't really know. But this is crazy because ev- none of this adds up. They're giving injections they don't even approve, that aren't even safe and effective by their own standards. They're telling you that even the CDC website still says the smallpox vaccine, which is what they're giving, is not safe for this. They haven't proven if it's safe and effective. It was meant to be used in a dangerous situation for other weird situations and, you know, in the middle of some sit- uh, problem where they suddenly got monkey box. They said, well, it's all we have. They argue, well, let's use it because we don't have anything else. We're in a situation where nobody's dying. They argue this is different in the first place, so we don't know if it's the right thing. And you're giving people this injection that's been shown to have, they, they call this the most dangerous vaccine in existence. That's the, that's the government calling it that. Back when they were talking about it before, it's the same injection. The smallpox vaccine is the most dangerous vaccination on the market. That's their words. But use it for something where no one's dying, though, right? I mean, how do you make sense of that? Now, while that's all happening, getting into the restrictions part of it, get this, guys. CMS, the Center for Medicaid and Medi- Medicare and Medicaid Services, just exempted their own officials hired to enforce the vaccine mandate from the actual mandate. Because you're the ones this is focused on. The peons, you, the average person. This, this Brian Henry Harrison uh, from Texas State Representative says that the, the, his office obtained the memo. And you can read it for yourself. Saying, we understand, nonetheless, ongoing confusion, whereas to say the federal government has explained that the guidance does not include any possibility of penalties or noncompliance. So basically to say, just like they did with the White House, they write, the compliance with this is uh, the, the uh, what's to say, the state survey agencies and our, uh, the organizations are ultimately responsible for compliance. So you're responsible, right? You as an individual have to be responsible because we know you're going to get it. And we're going to trust you. But when you don't, there's no, there's no penalty for noncompliance. So it's sort of this, you know, very obvious wink-wink situation where they're going, yeah, just do what you want. We're going to pretend like we're assuming you did it. <laughs> That's what they did in the White House. We're going to, you tell us and we're going to trust you as if nobody could lie. Why do they get that leeway and not you? Do they have more rights than you? They sure hell's hell wouldn't say that, but apparently they do. That's crazy. Now, Scotland with one of the most alarming parts of today's show. Thank you, Bernie's tweets. Always doing a great job. <laughs> Dang it. I, I, this is like the third time I followed her. Anyway, Scotland MSPs, or the members of Scottish Parliament, have voted to make emergency, some of their emergency powers from COVID, 
permanent, including the ones that they really want. The, in the lockdowns for whatever they decide and closing schools. You know, the one that we all agree was the most logical, right? Or, excuse me, the one that literally nobody stands behind now because it destroyed everything and entire... Right, but we're going to make sure we can do that forever. Quote, no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. Power is not a means, it is an end. That's Orwell. RFK Jr. also said the same point. They never, ever, historically, give back powers that you give away. This is crazy, guys. Here's the actual article. The members of Scottish Parliament have voted to make some emergency powers permanent, including the lockdowns and the school closures, which I guarantee will include masks. If they're locking down, the masks will just be done by the teachers, by the schools. Most pandemic powers were due to expire in March, two years after Scotland's first virus case was confirmed. Remember, this is one of the places that we were destroying with their own data until they censored it and stopped showing people under a guise that we didn't understand that was the fact that we were showing very clearly that not only the majority, but also the risk per 100,000 based on their data was showing that the injected were predominantly happening in, in the COVID discussion. All the hospitalizations, all the deaths, all the cases, exponentially all the cases. Same with the UK. They just stopped. High, they just hid the data. You guys don't understand the very clear and obvious data that's showing that it's all in the vaccinated. So we're going to censor that because that's what anybody would expect. I mean, how does anybody think that's okay? Like, do you not post scientific studies because the average person won't understand it? Most people don't understand the, the, the in-depth research discussion, but you still post them. No, it's because they were hiding things. Members of the Scottish Parliament took five hours to debate these amendments before passing it, 66 to 52. The bill proposes changes in 35 specific legislative areas, many of which originated in the temporary COVID legislation. There you go. Temporary restrictions becoming permanent. Exactly one of the things the conspiracy theorists were saying was going to happen. The reforms include permanent public health protection powers. Permanent. Similar to those that already exist in England and Wales. So it's already happening in England and Wales. Permanent restrictions. Permanent COVID emergency powers. We're already there, guys. Ministers will also have powers in relation to educational establishments so they can take action to protect, of course, public health and ensure the continuity of educational provisions. Right. To ensure the continuity of educational provisions by shutting the schools down. Right. Their stupid backward logic is that we would shut it down so they can go on Zoom because if we kept it, they'd all die. Is that what would happen? Clearly not. I think there was a couple more parts. Maybe not. Oh, you know, what? I just realized I think I had something. Shoot. Oh, well, I'm not going to go back. I'm way at the end here. There was something I think I missed further down one of these articles, but too late now. So permanent COVID powers. Well, it's already happening all over the place. As I just showed you, the EU has extended its vaccine passport scheme because these aren't stopping. That's going to be forever, just like we told you, until 2023. There's now a significant danger that those controls will become permanent. As we, if you ask them now, they go, you conspiracy theorists, that's not going to happen, even though it's happening everywhere else. It's going to happen, and they'll call you crazy for saying it shouldn't happen. EU confirms one-year extension of the COVID digital certificate. Well, here's a recent update for today, coming from Thales. The EU digital ID wallet is coming. Here's what it means for you. And it's just one of the parts they highlighted that sent it to me. You can read this for yourself. I just want to include it as an update. In September 2020, Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, reveals plans for a revamp of the system. For the, This is the LDOS 2.0. At its center will be new digital identity wallet. So it's not just the wallet, not just the passport, it's your new digital identity. That was fake news when it started, remember? 
like everything else. Any EU citizen or company will be able to request one, although it will remain voluntary for citizens, for now, you should include there, it will be accepted everywhere across the union. And of course, the one they also leave out is, and you'll go there, you'll be able to get the fast track, you'll get extra benefit, we'll give you a lollipop, right? You'll get all the benefits if you do this. And then eventually it'll just become required or that you'll get a detriment if you don't. That's what, this is not even secret. Von der Leyen said, because what they're going to argue is it's for everyone's best interest, for safety, for climate change. And then they're just going to use that moral superiority to push that, the perceived moral superiority, just like what's happening with, cli- with climate change, with, with abortion, same stuff. Von der Leyen said the new scheme would make it easier to travel and do business across the EU and also address the privacy concerns raised by the providers, as I always tell you. We're literally outlining how the destruction of your privacy and your rights. And of course, we're going to discuss the, how we're going to conserve your rights and your privacy. Great, so you're going to talk about it, ignore them, and move forward. And you met your promise, didn't you? We talked about it. We don't care about them, though. And finally, I want to finish this off because I wanted to make sure we saw this a little more clearly. I truly believe that what's happening right now in Ukraine is just clumsy and obvious, and it always has been. It's not to suggest that Russia's not capable of doing all the same things, even stuff that they say that they're doing and are wrong. (laughs) The same things they make up about Russia. Are they capable of doing them? I truly believe that. I think any government would do these things if they felt it was in their best interest. Oh my God, look at this. I'm not going to get into it today. Here's another one. I have monkeypox. Here's what it's like and what you should know. How much you want to bet it's a PCR test. They haven't even proven it like the other guy that they took down the story of. (laughs) God, these people are embarrassing. But here's the New York Times. Some CIA personnel have continued to operate in Ukraine secretly Mostly in Kiev. You mean where all those bombs were just falling? Or so we were told? That's not weird at all. They've always been there is the point, but this is their central hub, directing much of the intelligence the U.S. is sharing. Was the New York Times supposed to say this? I find it hard to believe that they would if they weren't supposed to. But what's interesting to me is that this is what we've been telling you the whole time. They have been in the, on the ground since before this started. They've admitted that in multiple locations. The point, though, is if the CIA is on the ground in Kiev, and you can just read through this, just makes it clear that they're on the ground providing weapons, intelligence, and so on. And even the Biden administration has declared that it will not deploy American troops, except that you know the CIA is very clearly considered a deployment of U.S. personnel. So it's just a, it's just a sidestep of the reality. Oh, and, and this is the discussion, just so you want to read it, that I've had in the past, showing you that the U.S. The CIA has been there since 1948, even what was called the OSS, became the CIA in 1953. The point is they've been there. On the record, stated material to build a, a fascist problem to be thrown at the Soviet Union. That translated well past the collapse of the Soviet Union. They're doing it now to be used against Russia. It's the same thing. Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, Mykola Lebed, it's all in there. We've all talked about it. And here's some facts if you want to understand the situation, how they are building these entities. They're using the Rise Above movement being the Azov Battalion faction in the United States. This is all an agenda that's been built by the CIA. It's very easy to see if you just pull away from partisanship. But I also pointed out in the last show that the U.S. has been providing advanced pinpoint precision missile systems to the Ukraine. So this is before all these weird strikes started happening and they blamed it on Russia. Now, I'm not saying that proves anything, but these are things you should consider. Okay, then we saw the reports of missiles hitting Kiev. Even though it makes no sense for Russia to bomb Kiev, there's been no indication they've even been trying to get to Kiev. Like Even more clearly, the corporate media reports of tanks filing into Kiev the day this began, which is not even like logistically possible, if I think if I'm correct. 
But on top of that, that it was pr- Colonel McGregor, plenty of others made it clear they weren't even going to Kiev. And that's why it got real quiet. And all of a sudden they stopped the day on the 25th. They were NBC was like, they're rolling into Kiev. And then suddenly a couple weeks later is when that started kicking up again. And they, oh, they're bombing in Kiev. And then they turned out that wasn't even happening. People are walking in the middle of the streets in Kiev going, there's no bombs falling. Look, I'm here in the phone. This is where they just said it landed. There's nothing happening. I'm in the street. There's no bombs. But of course, the corporate media didn't care. They were caught up in the fervor. They knew that at that time, nobody was checking facts. It was all narrative and emotion. Still is, but they're losing control. They lost control, arguably. But so the point is that all this happened. If you read through this, what you, what you will find is exactly what we keep telling you. This, the deputy mayor in Ukraine said, he, that he said a kindergarten was hit. The video of the Ukraine's Ministry of Affairs showed the CNN team spoke to one on the ground who showed up after it happened and was upset. Why does that matter? Did she see what happened? No, she said Russia sucks, and so there, that means it was Russia. No, she didn't see it happen. How would you know what happened if you showed up afterward? Ukrainian Air Force spokesman said, the mayor of Kiev said, this is ridiculous, clownish, dumpster fire journalism where they're going, Ukraine said, therefore we know Russia did it. The Ukrainian State Emergency Service said, you, Joe Biden spoke up and said, Russia did this, because why? Because Zelensky said so. Read it for yourself. I'm not making this up. Now, could it be Russia? Of course it could. But again, don't we need evidence? I think they've shown you thus far that they don't care about evidence. Ghost of Kiev, Snake Island, the, one, of their, one of their lead officials being fired for openly calling out the Russians for raping people and then admitting that she made it all up. Did, did CNN and Fox News cover all that? I think Fox might have. Maybe Tucker did. But overall... Most of these outlets did not touch it, even though even after that, they still floated the idea that Russians were raping people. Could they have been? Yes. Was it proven? No. Facts matter. Now, we also have after Trump or excuse me, Trump, Biden, Macron stepping up and saying Russia's bombing of the shopping center. Oh, did you prove that? Was there evidence? Did you see anything other than what they gave you to look at? No, you didn't. You absolute follower. This guy's a complete puppet anyway. The point is, they just keep doing this. The We share in the pain of the victims, which doesn't even seem to have truly happened. Let me explain. Oh, here's Newsweek. Ukraine officials fear scores of civilians. Zelensky said thousands of civilians were there. That's not true. This is being completely shown to be false. Not to mention the zero cars in the parking lot. But let's get into the breakdown of this. Here's from NBC. Russian missiles strike, uh, strike hits shopping mall with more than a thousand people inside. Ukraine says. That's it. That's all they have. So has Zelensky blatantly lied? Yes, he has. So why can they then take him at face value? Because they're told to. More than a thousand people were inside the time of the rocket, Zelensky said. Quote, the number of victims is impossible to imagine. That's, you're kind of right, because you made it up. Or he doesn't know what he's... I mean, this is the kind of dumb stuff he says all the time. What he's trying to say is that it's, you know, so horrific that you can't even imagine it. But when the victims is impossible... Well, a thousand people is pretty easy to imagine. It's horrific. It's sad if it was true. But it's something our brains can comprehend. It's not like you're saying 100 billion. But it's just funny the way this guy posting on Telegram. Probably wearing his customary green shirt. But it says the Ukrainian Air Force Command reported that the missiles were fired from long-range bombers that took off from a Russian airbase. So the Ukraine Air Force said... Did we prove that? They've already shown themselves to be willing to lie about literally everything. Bucha, Kramastok train station, on and on and on. These things have been unequivocally shown to be absolute manufactured lies. At least one Russian official appeared to make the claim that it was a false flag. 
mentioned, he mentioned Bucha. He mentioned the mass graves in Russia. And of course, they go on to say, because all those have been proven, Russia's lying. Well, guess what, though? Not true, because Eva Bartlett was on the ground and she spoke to the actual grave diggers and proved to you that it wasn't a mass grave. In fact, I also proved to you that on the Guardian's article a week before this story came out, that they admitted themselves that they buried them in these mass graves. That was the mayor who said that on the record. And then just because it was a good story, they flipped it around. They said, look at the mass graves. Russia killed everybody. Russia buried everybody. How disrespectful. Wasn't even true. Didn't even happen. And there was people in the Ukrainians were buried there. It's a normal gravesite. It's a normal funeral or uh, cemetery. Jeez. Anyway, watch the interview if you'd like to hear him. He says it right there. That's BS. That's fake. I'm here. I bury these. You can independently verify them. They give their names, the location. But the point is, the Guardian says that's fake news. Or excuse me, the NBC says fake news. Because that's what they're paid to do. The claim was made despite evidence. You see the same thing. As well as investigators from multiple... Oh, this is the last point. It says, despite evidence shared by residents, which, of course, you don't get to see. They just report that that's what happened. Journalists that work for them. So, again, just just because someone's a journalist, whether it's myself or anybody else, you shouldn't trust them. You should do your due diligence. That's what any journalist that is actually honest would tell you to do. And, of course, experts from organizations like the UN and Human Rights Watch, because we could trust them, of course, as well as investigators from multiple countries that Russian armed forces had committed numerous war crimes since the beginning of the invasion. Wait a minute. Doesn't it seem like they were going to be disputing Bucha and Russian graves? No, they end the sentence by saying that they, all these experts and journalists and these people, they all committed numerous crimes since the beginning. Ah, what a sneaky way to undermine whether you're actually disputing Bucha or the things we know didn't happen the way you said they did. All you say is, well, we know they've been accused of war crimes, therefore these people investigated said that they did, therefore all of it's true. Typical corporate media nonsense. This was... Oh, that's right, just another article from The Guardian. Same point, evidence contradicts Russian claims about this attack. And why is that? Where's the evidence come from? Can you guess? Witness accounts and expert analysis discredit Moscow's claim that fire spread from across the empty mall. Well, here's what's interesting. Now it shifts, right? Now it becomes, well, did, Moscow claims that what happened was that there was a fire in this other place where they had caches of weapons that exploded and then burned over and hit this mall. Now, it, I mean, I even argue that sort of sounds like an argument to hide something they would do. That's certainly something we should ask, as always, but until there's proof evidence at the very least we shouldn't just jump on it because Russia bad guy unless you want to you know have the logic and mentality of a kindergartner but here's what it says down here which I find interesting here's a video they shared from Zelensky totally trustworthy the CCTV footage shows the bomb okay so we see a bull explosion therefore bad guy Russia that's what they keep doing the entire article right under goes on the 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 basically runs into the assumption that because we can see an explosion, therefore it must have been Russian bombs. Well, how about the fact that we just asked that even if there was a rocket, that it could have been something that was fired by Ukraine, like we already know has happened, like the train station, that was mathematically proven. That's why the media stopped talking about it. Even, I mean, even note in this article, why don't they mention that one? What happened to the train station that they apparently bombed? Oops, <laughs> because they don't talk about it anymore because that one was definitively shown to be not what they said it was. In fact, it was shown to come from Ukraine territory using a missile that they use. <laughs> Oops, is exactly right. But here we have satellite images. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Who provided them? You'll find a very uh, a very loud, app, uh, you know, s- silence is deafening kind of moment 
where they don't mention where the satellite imagery came from. Can, can you guess why? I think some of those that watch the show regularly, you might be able to guess why that is. I'm like, well, why wouldn't they tell you where it came from? I'll get there. Now it says Bellingcat, a nonprofit online journalism collective, which is not even remotely what they are, dedicated to war crime investigations or a complete government funded propaganda outlet, collected recipients from purchases at the mall in recent days that were posted on social media by residents at the area to show that the mall was indeed open. Wow, that's some great stuff. So are we disputing that the mall was open? I mean, I, that wasn't even the point that I was getting at. It turns out that it was verifiably closed by, or excuse me, that the place next to it was verifiably closed. But regardless, to argue that because we can prove the mall was open, therefore Russia bombed this place is pretty stupid. That's not the only part they're making, but this is how they do this. They go step by step with these incremental small things that aren't really the main. It's like those fact checks that look at Facebook posts. You're, you're, you're circling around the main point to make it look like you're debunking this. But it says Bellingcat said, although one report in 2014 stated the factory had been used to repair three military vehicles, so clearly there's a military context there. This in and of itself does not prove that it was a storage site for U.S. and European weapons. That's the best they got. So you don't know if it's not we if it was weapons, therefore Russia's lying, or therefore it Russia could be telling the truth. You're smart enough to know the truth there. Corporate videos published on YouTube by specialized construction companies show the presence of cranes and other equipment in the factory, which has corroborated the account of Ukrainian authorities. Okay, so it was being worked on, therefore it wasn't being used as a military stockpile? Doesn't sound sound to me. According to various accounts collected by The Guardian, because we can trust The Guardian, the plant had been temporarily closed because of the war. It was being guarded by a custodian who finished the shift at 2 p.m. Okay, so what do you think the logic, the likelihood, that they would close down a factory because the war, but keep a mall right next door open for civilians because of the war? Right. So the factory's in danger because of the war, but the mall is okay, though. Just, they just don't expect the average readers they have to be critical thinkers. It's really, really stupid. And Bellingcat has shown themselves to be flagrant propagandists. Just look at their coverage of Syria specifically. I mean, it's embarrassing. And I'm sure that I'm on their list anyway, so I'm not worried about them coming after me. They're, they're, it's, it's embarrassing to watch. I'm probably too small on their list anyway. But this is completely up in the air for so many different reasons. And here is the actual article. Russia's claims in this, the Kremen, Kremenchuk, Kremenchuk area versus the evidence. Now, feel free to read this through if you have an hour to waste. But it says, President, I shouldn't even say it like that. Please read it for yourself. Do your due diligence. Make sure you read it so you understand the arguments being made and how flimsy they are. Zelensky of Ukraine stated, there you go, we're already off to a great start, that there were a thousand people inside the mall, which I'm, I'm going to prove to you next is clearly not true, or at least using the evidence suggests that's likely. At the time of writing, 18 people were reported to have been confirmed dead and more missing. But a thousand were there, though, and we can confirm 18 of them. Sounds good so far. Reuters reported, sounds sound so far, right? Reuters, yeah, Reuters reported that Ukraine's Air Force Command said, there you go, that the shopping mall was hit by a Russian X-22 missile fired from a Tu-22M3 bombers that flew specifically from this airfield to Russian's region. Right, and so they operate on this article going forward from there as if that's absolute fact. That is not what actual journalists would do. Reuters reported that Ukraine said should end your story and be like, well, we don't know for sure. That's not what happens. And then you're going to find that other articles point to this and say, Bellingcat, basically the argument was that these, these missiles were used and cite Bellingcat. 
And you see how that then goes? Then they cite that news article as proof, and it goes forward from there. It all funnels back to a Reuters article that says, Ukraine said that happened. How stupid. There's a lot of news you can read for yourself, but then it says satellite imagery, as well as open source footage videos posted online, appear to contradict those statements. Open source? What does that mean again? Anybody remember what open source means when they use it? Oh, Twitter. Right. So Ukraine posted some Twitter videos or some random person on Facebook posted these things and they include that, which you should, by the way. My, my point, which is funny, is that they will use that to disparage when you do it as if it's not worth concluding because it's on Facebook and Twitter. It's fake news. But when they oh, it's open source. In fact, you'll find plenty of articles that only use open source or open source investigation show. That means they look on Twitter. But you're not allowed to because you're stupid, right? That's that's the takeaway. You're too dumb to understand how to be a journalist. Nah, not true. You guys are, in fact, in light years smarter than most of these people, in my opinion. But the point is talking about the satellite imagery. So what they have essentially is things posted that you shouldn't you take at face value. None of it you should. And satellite imagery, which has kind of become a common theme, hasn't it? It says satellite imagery confirms the areas were hit by these missiles. And there you go again. Just like the, crumb, the train station, just like all the other conversations we've had, like this one, where the, oh, excuse me, this was Bucha specifically, key Bucha evidence came directly from a CIA cutout called Maxar Technologies. So the only thing that made everything connect for them in Bucha was the fact that they claimed these satellites were taken that proved they were there at this time. But then we proved, or rather people that did the investigation, which we proved using their data directly from satellite imagery locations, that they didn't have satellites in these locations to be able to do it at the time they said they took it. Watch the show. It's all in there. All the, all the source links, as always, read it for yourselves. So... They lied about the date they took it because that was the key to arguing what they said happened because the true date showed that Ukraine killed them. That's why this gets really quiet and pushed back in the distance. So this satellite imagery being the key, again, is pretty interesting. So now you should ask, where do these satellite images come from? First of all, this one just says captured by Sentinel-2 L1C satellites, which, okay, bought from who? From who, who gave them to you? Well, first, I said, okay, well, who uses those satellites? And I, of course, you could argue confirmation bias, and I would too. I looked into a few different places, but the one that I found that seems to correlate is, of course, Maxar Technologies. Just Sentinel-2, first of all, but just correlation. But that's not the main point. The main point is when you come down to the other, specifically the satellite imagery about this location that was bombed. I'll read this first. Well, just since I'm saying it, which you are, I'm sure you could already sense the point coming was none other than, there it is, all the way at the bottom, I'm sure that was accidental, Maxar Images, and Google Earth, of course, because Google's, an, you know, a uh, playing ball. Maxar Images, yet again, yet again. Now, before I so don't forget this point, before I go there, since I made the Maxar point, here's how, so you understand, this is just one of the examples that connects this, there's a lot of them, but this is from 2020, Maxar Technologies appoint Gilman Louie, to its board of directors, Gilman Louie, board of directors. Louie was the first chief executive officer of InQtel and the president, the, the first venture capital fund for the CIA. What a weird coincidence. He also has served as an advisor to the Department of Defense Advisory Boards, currently serves as commissioner of the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. No big deal. Now, the point is not just this one point. It's, that it's very obvious that Maxwell Technologies is essentially a cutout for the CIA. So, or at the very least, compromised by the CIA, but I think it's much deeper than that. The point is, if you're getting this information for the third time now, and using that information to argue you can prove all of this, well, it seems sub 
pretty questionable, seeing as how Bucha was already exposed as a lie from the same people. It's, now, this next point is the freeze frame of the video even appears to provide a view of the type of missile used. Now, seeing as how the video itself is in question because of where it came from, we should be very skeptical about what they show you here. But what's weird is they go on to say exactly what was hit within the plant by the second missile is also not entirely clear from our open source evidence alone. But ultimately, the idea being that they're simply suggesting that this missile would correlate with what they said based on information that came from the Ukraine government, videos that came from the Ukraine government. Now, do we know that these missiles were... Oh, here's something we should... Actually, I'm mad that I didn't do... I forgot that I was going to do this. Make sure I didn't have a point at the end before I do one last thing. I think that was it. Okay. Which is quickly glance and see where these these missiles come from. Actually, let's just do this. Long range. Well, that's interesting. It was a long range strategic and maritime strike bomber developed by the Tupolev, Tupolev Design Bureau in the 1960s. Again, that doesn't mean they're not used now, but here's the point, guys. It was during the Cold War, it was operated by the Soviet forces. This is the frustrating and stupid part about all this. Do you remember the article we talked about? Let me see if I still get it to pop up. Oops. Yep, there it is. Nice. Okay, so here's the important part to remember in all this. Remember this story? The U.S. got caught sending secretly Soviet-era weapons, not just air defenses, but weapons, to Ukraine. They got caught sending Soviet-era things. Why would they do that? Their stupid, clumsy argument is here is that, well, we thought I could help them learn how to fend off Russia. Well, do they use those still? No. So it wouldn't at all help. In fact, it would be a detriment to defending against their more advanced weaponry. So it's quite obvious this is meant to be, oh, look, Soviet weapons were used. Must have been Russia. Typical. That's my opinion, obviously. But the idea here is, now I'm glad I I didn't forget to look it up. So what they're doing is they're saying they used these Soviet-era weapons, and here's our video we gave you to prove that, and here's our satellite imagery that we want you to see, that they've already been caught lying. Why would would Russia use Soviet-era weapons? Now, if I'm mistaken about the weapons, I'm not an expert on the weapons. If there's some updated version, please point that out. But the point has been made many times, that they've already been caught using, like the Tocha weapon. Tocha U, I think is what it was. They tried to pretend that that was Russia because it's an old weapon, but it turns out they've already got caught as Ukraine using those exact rockets and given to them by who exactly? Well, who's arming them, guys? The United States. This is painfully obvious. So there we are. So all CIA in the areas, all of the information coming from completely obvious People you shouldn't trust at the very least. There's a lot more happening here than people realize. Finally, make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, oh wait, did I? Oh, I did. Two more. Finally, another great one by Moon of Alabama from yesterday. He says, yesterday I mentioned the burning shopping center in uh, Kremenchuk, that's the place we were just talking about, of Ukraine, which was, which was of which the, the Ukrainian president Zelensky falsely claimed that thousands of people have been inside. The, the article is lie debunked from Zelensky. White House says Ukraine must give up territory. He asked yesterday, satellite pictures show that the shopping center is right next to the large machine plant. Was that the real target of the attack with the shopping center being an unintentional casualty? Now, by the way, I don't think it's been proven that Russia did attack it, but I'll be, that does seem like the, likely, the likelihood that Russia attacked a munitions area 
or, you know, could be a machine plant full of people if you want to go that route. I don't think there's proof or evidence for that. They're claiming it had weapons in it until you can prove otherwise. We should just run with that for now, knowing that we're questioning everything. So they say they bombed it, or rather they say that it was a false flag, but it seems more likely at this point that it probably was something they were going after. Either way, though, it's, they're, lying, they're lying about the entire discussion, about what was really there, who was involved. It says it has now been confirmed that the answer to his question is yes. That that, that that was originally the, the focal point. He goes, ah, don't trust the Russians, you say? Well, don't trust anyone. I say, just scrutinize the facts. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, I might call into question his coverage around COVID-19, but I'll let that go because of that statement. But, you know, whatever. Rail access makes it an ideal space for preparing or repairing heavy weapons. So the idea being, is there's an example of why it might be a logical place, including the article that just admitted that they did treat or fix old machinery there, military weaponry. But he says that it's an ideal space for doing exactly that. Then he says, still not convinced? Well, here's a video from a Ukraine TV station taken on the factory grounds. It is showing a crater and the debris of the factory. The area where it was hit are pretty much destroyed. So how in the world, if you can see the crater in that factory, are you going to stupidly argue that the target was the mall? Because it makes a better story to pretend that they hit a civilian mall with no military reason. They just can't stop lying. I mean, couldn't you have just been like they hit a machine factory and it wasn't military, therefore it's a crime? Maybe they realized it was easy to prove, so they just went to the other thing. I mean, this is just so clumsy. I don't understand how... I mean, this is where they get to the end here where he talks about how even the White House is going, guys, you're losing. Just, we need to pull back. But it says, according to the Ukraine Emergency Services, the attack has caused the death of 16 people. That's Ukraine saying that. And wounded 59 others. So most of Zelensky's thousand people inside the shopping center must have either survived or never existed at all, with the later being the more likely case, as he's been caught lying numerous times. The shopping center was obviously as empty as its large, empty parking space I mentioned yesterday. I said the same thing. It somehow came on fire after the factory next door was bombed. Now, again, that's not proven. It could just as likely be Ukraine that did this to blame Russia. Those who died were most likely soldiers or factory workers who were preparing Western weapons for delivery to the front. Zelensky's lie, this is Moon of Alabama's perspective, Zelensky's lie has been debunked, just as the other horror fictions he has told about the Russians. Meanwhile, the White House is preparing for a retreat from Ukraine. CNN headlines, Biden officials privately doubt that Ukraine can win back all of its territory. Yeah, that's a ridiculously obvious conclusion at this point. But it says all was completely forced, all this was completely foreseeable on the very first day, if you weren't blinded by partisanship. I agree. Read the article, check the links. Finally, or two points, finally, I want you to check out Kavork Almasian. Oh, he's still doing outstanding work. This guy is amazing at what he does. He's pointing out just a different topic, you know, because no one's paying attention to a lot of the things that are always happening. This goes back to Libya, 2011. He says, and watch the video yourself. If I had more time, I'd want to play it, but you guys, please watch this. 11 years after the NATO invasion, Libyans today, as you should understand, view what happened there in 2011 as a foreign plot to destroy Libya. That's a direct quote. Which exactly what it was, or at the very least to rape it of its resources. But he says, but who cares now? You should care. It's the same people doing everything else right now that we're talking about, guys. Thank you, Kavork Almasian, Syrian Analysis. You're always doing a great job. And I'll leave you with this video of Claire Daly, if I can grab it, actually. <laughs> Forgot about that one. She's always a standout voice in all of this, guys. And she is always standing up for you and standing up for people that don't have a voice. That's what this all really comes down to, doesn't it? People that have the courage to stand up in a world that is attacking anybody that challenges the status quo and speaking out for them. 
I think I have to download it. Shoot. Give me one more second. But she's always very passionate. You know, and, and just saying part things that they just do not want people to say. And you got it, you have to respect that. Now you can disagree with her. You can say she's wrong. You can say that she doesn't see something, she's missing the facts. Certainly possible. But you should consider what she's saying. There is truth to this, guys. And as far as I'm considered, as far as I'm concerned, everything she's saying here is absolutely 100 percent correct. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to come back to the video here so you guys can see me on the way out. So I got the audio. There we go. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, guys. Make sure you stay. In, you watch this. Only it's only a minute and something long. She's talking about specifically what's going on in Ukraine, Afghanistan, how how it relates to Assange. I mean, it's exactly what we should be thinking about today. But thank you for being here. I love you all, as always. Oh, wait a second. See, I did that. I'm still not used to this setup. I want to get this uh, source set up really quickly so I can actually end with this video. All right. Make sure you watch this, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Thanks, President. The goal is an endless war, not a successful war. Those were the words of Julian Assange in 2011 in relation to the war in Afghanistan, words which could now equally apply about Ukraine. Ukraine should absolutely be able to join the EU, but on terms that don't bankrupt its people and when it's ready and when a majority of its people choose. But that certainly will not be happening while the country is an active war zone and everybody knows it. So instead, we're artificially prolonging this war with a steady flow of heavy weapons, attacking peace efforts as appeasement, the EU is guaranteeing a stalemate and ensuring that Ukraine will never be able to choose its own path. President von der Leyen gave the game away last Friday when she said Ukrainians are ready to die for the European perspective. My God, what a deluded narcissist. The real plan here, we know candidate status is bait in a trap. The the real plan is to transform Ukraine into a meat grinder, use its people as cannon fodder in an endless proxy war against Russia with the European taxpayer footing one bill after another for the arms industry. There's nothing to celebrate in that. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise 
your First Amendment right and freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out! Do not let your voices be silenced.